Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan. This week we discuss Chris Evans becoming a capsicle. Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan, a Marvel podcast where we try to figure out just who and what is going on in this cinematic universe. My name is Tyler Borland, and with me always is Danny Vincent. And today we have a special guest, my filmmaking friend, Jay. Jay, tell us about yourself. Who are you? Hey, what's up, guys? Um, Thanks for having me on. Uh, My name is Jay Salahi. Um, I've known Danny for a little bit. I met him online, which is a very modern thing to say, I guess. Um, He's one of my online filmmaking pals. We chatted about box office for the last uh, half decade, probably. Um, Honestly, probably longer, you know? Probably. I remember remember the summer of 2014 well. And it was all talking about Jump Street, Guardians, and How to Train Your Dragon 2 bombing and all that stuff. Sure. Yeah, but yeah, go on. I remember that. I remember that as well. No, so definitely longer than that. Time just goes by too fast. Um, But uh, I... I guess I'm a filmmaker, even though I'm mostly an assistant, I think as <laughs> we all do, do separate things. But I made a $12,000 feature film called Northwood Pie. Um, it currently has a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes somehow from critics, so people are very nice. Uh, it's a coming-of-age stoner rom-com in a pizza place, kind of a clerk-stays-in-confused type of uh, do-it-yourself feature film. And um, yeah, it's streaming worldwide, and it's available on Amazon Prime and a lot of other places, so please check that out. But besides that, I'm just a movie nerd who... You know, watches like 800 movies a year and, you know, went opening day to see Spider-Man at nine years old and dragged my family along every single time. Friday night, Spider-Man three midnight showing, you know, you got to go see Indiana Jones four midnight showing and getting in the car and being like devastated, even though now I've softened. Definitely big movie fan. Have I ever told you my Indiana Jones story about Indiana Jones four is that I want to hear it. So I was I was. 12 when that came out. I was 12 when Indiana Jones 4 came out. And my dad obviously really liked Indiana Jones. So we all went to go see it. Uh, But before we get to Indiana Jones, everyone that year wanted to see Iron Man 1, right? That was the big movie at the time. But my parents did not want me to go see it because the scene where Tony Stark has uh, sex. (laughs) I I was going to say something weird. I was like, nah, just sex. Where he had sex, you know? On the bed, my parents like, you can't watch that. That's... But... It was at the drive-in. It was Indiana Jones first and Iron Man second. And the okay. next day, the only thing we were talking about was Iron Man. Even though we only really, my dad only went for Indiana Jones. None of us wanted to talk about Indiana Jones. We, we had Iron sure. Man to talk about. <laughs> Thank you. That makes sense. It's yeah. so funny to hear like the difference of how we grew up. Because like, I like watched Aliens and Terminator with my dad at like eight years old. And yeah. like had no restrictions. And probably like it was too much. And I was the kid who was like, oh, my parents are asleep. Like my stepdad and mom are asleep. I'm going to watch... Uh, What's it called? Uh, what am I, what's, what's strip? Is that strip tease? What's the not strip tease? What's the movie called in Vegas with uh, the girl from Say by the Bell? No idea, dude. I I think you I'm a bit younger than you. I think I'm. A, I don't Fe- even know who's on Saved by the Bell. Is it Fear and Loathing <laughs> in Las Vegas? No, not Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. No. There's that movie with. Uh, Oh wow! Now it's running. But sorry, anyways. I'm young. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I I usually like I should be on top of this, but it's anyways. It's like one of those like hardcore like it's a paul verhoeven film oh is it um showgirls yes showgirls thank you yeah 
So if you so said like Paul Verhoeven, I would have known immediately because I have yes, weird no, movies I haven't but seen. But I'm like, you know, 10 years old, <laughs> nine years old watching like they're asleep and it's on HBO and I'm watching Showgirl. So I definitely like had no restrictions <laughs> growing up. And I remember seeing Iron Man opening day like very vividly. And it was like so hype because it was the beginning of the summer and it was perfect age. And like the trailers for like Indiana Jones were there and the trailers for Dark Knight. And it just everything was just so and they even had, I think, uh like a Harry Potter trailer because they were started marketing it like a year in advance because they delayed it. So like yeah. it just had every single trailer and it encapsulated like, wow, this is going to be a great summer. And I mean, Iron Man definitely surprised. Like I didn't have any expectations and it blew me away at that point. Yeah. When I first saw it. You know. Man, t- now you're getting me mad at my own child because you just remind me. So we, we watched Batman Begins in like June of that year because we were all excited mm-hmm. for The Dark Knight. And my dad read reviews for The Dark Knight and it said, we're going to wait for DVD on this one. What? <laughs> Oh, oh it was my goodness. too hardcore for 13 oh. years. Because by then I was 13 because my birthday's in July. Too hardcore for 13-year-old Danny, even though it's PG-13. So, wow. yeah. I did see The Dark Knight Rises in theaters. But oh, also by wow. that point, I didn't need my parents' permission to go see a movie anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> the Dark Knight was one of those like amazing experiences. Because I was like right after freshman year of high school. And it's, you know, you get to an age when you're like early junior junior, uh, junior high and stuff where you start realizing things maybe aren't always great and things aren't good and things aren't going to be the same. And I was so excited for Spider-Man 3 and I had, it didn't even cross my mind it could be bad. I just was like, same filmmaker, same thing. Why wouldn't it be like Indiana Jones trilogy or Star Wars or something like that? It should just be the same quality through it, throughout. And it wasn't. I was crushed. I mean, I've never more crushed by movie Spider-Man 3, which now, again, I'm softer on it. But when I first saw it, I was so disappointed. And the next year, I mean, I was counting down the days for Spider-Man and Indiana Jones, like, on the calendar, watching the trailer every day. Like, so excited for it. And then I was crushed. And then Dark Knight, I almost didn't believe it. I was like, it's not going to be good anyway. Nothing is good anymore. And when I saw it, it was just an IMAX. It blew me away. And it had a standing ovation. I swear, it was kind of the craziest thing. I got a standing ovation in the IMAX theater, which I was like, I've never really seen before. But I think people were so shocked at that time. I've only been in one film that's got a standing ovation. That's when I saw Jojo Rabbit at TIFF. And it's more because Taika Waititi was there. It wasn't really because, sure. you know, the movie. I mean, I would have given – I love that movie. I would have given it a standing go. <laughs> but I think mostly the audience is giving the standing go because Taika was there. Um, yeah. So, anyway, I think now we can move on to our little question slate for you before we get into our big okay. movie. Uh, I think we've kind of already explained how you know either of us, but – uh, I don't know. We could talk about how uh, – so we've been internet friends for a bit, but in our Grand Luca saga on this podcast, which uh, comes up quite a bit actually, okay. <laughs> we've talked – we've had two basically – so the news about Luca. this is a quick recap for, for both mm-hmm. Jay and for the listeners. So when Luca got moved to Disney+, Plus, we dedicated most of our Falcon and Winter Soldier recap to talking about that business decision and barely talking about the episode because <laughs> yeah. I would going on my soul saga of trying to get a theater to rent so I could watch soul. And then when we finally saw Luca, we did a follow-up to it. Cause like, you know, we spent so much time on that. We might as well do an hour on yeah. the movie itself. And as everyone here knows, who listens to this, I flew out to LA to see Luca. And when I was there, I met up with Jay and a couple other internet friends uh, for dinner at uh where was that where like I, not the restaurant but what was that area? One place at the grove the grove, grove in los angeles yeah which is yeah. in a handful of like rom-coms and tv shows like you know yeah i remember walking there and i'm like oh yeah this does look really like familiar. oh you know what actually it was it was that i had seen the groves movie theater in an article at hollywood reporter like that oh, okay because it had just you know the whole thing with art like it had happened i don't know yeah, yeah. I, now i'm blabbering about stuff that if i explained it to tyler he'd be like what 
So, but anyway, I met up with Jay and uh, yeah, so we've seen each other in person before this. That's yeah. all. Not that you met up with me. We all had a nice dinner and a great time. I mean, yeah, you can be nice we, about we it. Got, we got someone on our friends, uh, our friend group who uh, despises Marvel talking about Marvel extensively. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but yeah. Anyway, so what is your favorite Marvel movie? It can be any Marvel property uh, from any production studio. But if you uh, pick that and you can explain that one. And then you also need to tell us your favorite MC movie. And if they're one the same, great. But yeah. Yeah. So oof. I'm one of those people who definitely has a few that changed just a few times. You know, I watch stuff way too much. I probably watch every franchise and stuff over again every year. Um, so like I've seen the X-Men movies like 12 times in the last probably like eight years. I've seen the MCU movies. A lot of them like, you know, anywhere from six to 12 times in like the last year. Because like this year I watched all of them with my girlfriend. And last year I watched them all with my friend Walter. And the year before I watched them all with my friend Trevor. So I'm constantly just like watching movies with people again and just kind of feeling how different people see it. And being a filmmaker and like making a movie and going through that process and understanding like every single bit of it. And like doing it again and kind of like working more in the industry. I've noticed, and getting older, of course, like I've noticed my opinion change throughout. Um, so, but I guess for my favorite superhero movies are probably the Nolan Batman movies, but my favorite Marvel films, which are right up close. Um, I really like X2. Like X2 is one of those films that's like, since I was a kid, it, it stuck with me. And I think it's a great sequel that's pretty much better than the first movie on everything. And the cinematography for me is like maybe the best cinematography and the tone of a superhero movie in a certain way because it has that balance where the Marvel movies are too, not too but like, you know, they're very trying to be real with they're very jokey. They're very irreverent. Like, look, yes. we're in a movie. Don't worry. We're still in a film. And then, the you know, the Batman movies are too are super serious. And the uh, Spider-Man movies are very comic booky and campy. And I feel like those first couple X-Men films really have all of that in one. It's like extremely colorful. It balances the color palette well. It's serious but it has some campiness to it and some superhero colorfulness. But I don't know. It just has a good all of that. So that's probably my favorite because of a, of a childhood of Marvel film. But right up close and maybe even it's different is Avengers 1, which I've come to really grow on me. Uh, I, the more I watch the films, the more I like Avengers 1. Um, I used to like Iron Man a lot. And I'm a, kind of a phase one type of guy. I kind of like each phase a little bit less of the MCU as they go along. That's interesting. Um, I, think, I, I like, think a lot of people, you know, are like phase three is the best Marvel's been yet. Yeah. So I do not like phase three really at all. For me, you know, they, they start actually getting less stylistic. Like they all kind of start matching the same tone. It's like they, the, the filmmaking becomes much more standard. And that's, I'm watching a movie and I'm more analyzing and, and, and what gets me sucked in is seeing every decision. And when you watch a scene, that's like, wow, that was three shots and it was three new shots or it was this, or you can tell it, it feels like it was perfectly planned out. But the Marvel movies, and which what makes them all consistently a certain quality, they do have that, especially the newer ones, same cutting pattern, same exact lens choices, same wide angles. And even when they get different voices, they still feel, I think, more alike. And I like the, you know, they shot on film in the past. And I don't know, they have more of a classic movie tone. I'm not a fan of the, like, poking fun at yourself. I'm really a fan of, like, time. I think the first MC, like, the first phase is more timeless in a way. Like those movies could you could have put those movies out twenty years prior, and I think they like like Captain America one we're going to talk about. Yeah, I think exactly. I like that, film yeah. that movie came out in nineteen eighty something. I think audience would still pretty much enjoy it versus a lot of MC maybe not then, which maybe is a negative positive. But I also think in the future, 
I think people would also like Captain America when I think it's aging good because it has that the jokes don't age because it's a certain time period, a certain tone of a classic film. Um, so Avengers one just kind of, I think just it, what I like about it is each act gets better. Like an Iron Man, what I love about it, and I probably liked Iron Man better the first six viewings, but now that I've seen it, like for all the movies so much, when you're watching a film, when the first act is the best act, Iron Man has the best first act. It's so good, but everything one agrees, that's probably the best part of the film. But after that, it kind of drops off. Each act's maybe sequentially a little worse, even though it's enjoyable. The second act, he's becoming Iron Man and making the suit. And the third act, he's kind of fighting on the freeway and there's the other stuff. And, and when you've already seen it so many times like me, you know, the best part's already passed. So you're kind of like already le- leaning out of it. But Avengers, each act gets better in that film where the first act is okay, the second act is really good, and the third act really is excellent. So every time I watch that film, as someone who's seen it so much, I'm excited to get to the end. So I'm still, yes. my investment's actually growing throughout the whole picture as someone who's seen it so much. And I may not have thought that the first six viewings, it's weird, but as someone who's seen it so much, if I was stuck on an island, I feel like Avengers is the film that really comes together for me. And it has the editing of everyone coming together in the third act and having an arc. And I think that's maybe the the biggest final battle in a superhero movie. And I think it's successfully done and the geography is really well. And I don't think a film since that has topped it in, in and the scale. The pacing is so good too. Like it, cause we exactly. watched that like a few months ago for this podcast. And I remember hmm. being like, yeah, this movie, like, because usually, like, for example, getting ahead a bit with Captain America 1, I rewatched this in March and I rewatched it last night. It did not play as well for me last night as it did a couple months sure. ago. Uh, but with Avengers, I had actually rewatched it, I think, last summer during the pandemic with my dad. Mm-hmm. And I rewatched it in March of this year before we recorded. And I was like, nah, this is still really like outside of, you know, like the first 30 or so minutes where they're all coming together still. Uh, sure. once it becomes a group dynamic it is really just so it gels it's so good and then of course yeah. the pacing of that final battle is phenomenal <laughs> uh so yeah um yeah that's a good so would you say then to give you your next question and mm-hmm. would it be the answer to your next question or maybe you can pick a different movie if you could pick experience any mcu movie for the first time all over again which would it be and why it's a tough one. Um, I would probably lean toward Avengers 1, but part of me maybe even wants to say Endgame because for some reason I've I've kind of come around. I was an anti-MC. I've always like, I mean, I'm the person who watches them like 12 times. I'm just maybe the most critical person I know. And it's not like I'm being critical. I just, the way I just judge things or grade things is that I just have a very, it's, a, it's not a negative statement. Like a B minus for me, maybe a B or B plus to somebody else just because of the way I'm trying to disorganize things. So I just watch so many movies, it's like a filter. But um, I may be Endgame too in a way because I've, I have I didn't really, I, I liked it when I first saw it. I thought it was fine. But since Endgame's come out, I rewatched the whole MCU with my girlfriend, like 23 films, like in like a month. And it's for some reason it's it it came around on me more, and I think I liked every most films like just one or two points more, and I thought every film was just a little bit better than I thought, and I enjoyed it all in the flow. And then Endgame for some reason hit me, and I watched it like twice again right after, or once again right after, so two times, and I was actually emotional in it, and I was invested, and I reacted to things that I didn't quite have the same reaction to in theaters. Maybe I was being more cynical, and I'd like to go back with my expectations dropped and now experience that the crowd reaction that I was maybe like, Oh, people are overreacting, which I didn't think that, but you know, in the back of my mind, I'm not someone who's like cheery, but I wish I go back and maybe bought into it more and cheered and just had fun with it. I remember when I saw, uh, the first time I cheered at moments like, you know, but I remember the second time I saw it it was still opening weekend. And Mm -hmm. I just started crying at when (laughs) after Avengers assemble and they all just storm. 
And I just started yeah. crying like, this is happening. And I already saw it two nights ago, yeah. <laughs> but it's still here. And it's yeah. I still can't believe we got to this point. Uh, no, yeah. I had seen the movie twice and then we watched it again. And I, I, I did, listened to the soundtrack, never downloaded it. I watched it. I cried in the third act like you. I cried like four times in Avengers Endgame. I cried at the ending. And then all of a sudden I went home, I downloaded Portals. I was like, damn, this soundtrack is really good. <laughs> and I like all of a sudden I became a believer. And I was like, you know what? Endgame is great. I'm sorry. Maybe Marvel isn't so bad. Maybe they're pretty good. So, yeah, they won me over. You know, you just inspired me to add a question to this because we used to have a question. We had a few more questions on it that we got rid of. One of them was, who's your favorite Spider-Man? Because it always ended with me bullying the guest who picked Tom Holland. Uh, the other one was about WandaVision, which isn't really relevant anymore. But now I want to add one that I'm going to throw at you now. And then me and Tyler will answer the question that Sarah gave you. But first I want to throw to you. So would you say you're Team Infinity War or Team Endgame? What do you think is the better film of the two? I was Team Infinity War. I am now Team Endgame. Um, okay. Before I was, I liked Infinity War. I thought it maybe was more engaging in the first act, and it had more action. And I thought Endgame, for some reason, I, the first time I watched it, I thought that it didn't have enough set pieces. Which I hate to be that guy who's like, because usually I'm the guy who's like, we need more character stuff a lot of times. But then now I watch Endgame, and I was the guy who's like, you know what? When I walked out of Avengers One, the one thing I thought of when I was, you know, 19 was, wow, that was Avengers One, like. Thanos is going to come and it's going to, I mean, if this was a third act of one, what's the third act of that movie going to be like? And in actuality, it's a shorter third act. There's maybe less grander stakes, but that's because you have to focus on the characters and there's so much going on. They made the right decision, but I maybe felt like the second act didn't have an action set piece because it was so much fun when they went back. It was, you know, they they went back in time and there wasn't some form of suspense <clears throat> or action set piece that really drove them to need to go back to the future, if you will, um, yeah. again. And for some reason, I just thought, oh, there's only action at the end. And then when I rewatched it a couple of times, I was like, oh, I'm just being that guy. Like, it's it's actually great. Because I rewatched, again, when I rewatched them all in a row, it really clicked for me. I really felt emotionally invested in everyone's character a different, a, a, differently. And I, I felt the journey. So, um, yeah, definitely Team Endgame now. Because Infinity War, I do really like. But I think the second act kind of drags in the middle with like a Thor and stuff where they're going. I, Before the third act, there's just a little bit of time where it feels a little long. And I think Endgame... Listen, as much as you can talk about like Marvel, not like Marvel, the Endgame might be the best paced like three hour movie I've ever seen. Like, I got to give the Russo Brothers credit for that. Like, and I, I've talked. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that. Uh, my, you know, I'll talk to you about Infinity War after this because we're, we're, we're going a bit long, but I do want to. Sorry. No, but it's OK. No, no. I like what you're saying. I'm just saying that I, I, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole yet, uh, <laughs> especially when me and Tyler are going to probably do a two hour episode on Infinity War at some point anyway. You know, sure. So but so Tyler. If I have to throw Sarah's question at you, uh, yeah. if you could experience any MCU movie for the first time all over again, what would you pick and why? Um, I want to, I just out of instinct, I want to say Thor Ragnarok because I enjoyed it so much the first time. But um, I, I, I saw that one in theaters and that's why I'm like, yeah, I want to go back. But that's nostalgia more talking over, uh, taking over, whereas... Here, if I have an experience, like if I have the chance to watch any of them all over again, mm -hmm. if I can do that in a movie theater, then I would do uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, because I did not see that in theaters. And I think what? that would be an experience that uh, I'd want to see in theaters. It was a great experience. I remember it fondly, but. I think I already told that story. Anyway, we had a Falcon, uh, oh, an episode on that here. The uh, summer my, of 90 to 95 million. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if Tyler uh, knows about that, actually. Uh, 
because uh, he that was the year that I what, did anything open 100 million ever that year. It was eventually Transformers hit 100, I think. Kind of. It was four. it was fudged if I remember right. Yeah, uh, but like X Men, Guardians, and Winter Soldier all opened to like 90 to 95 million dollars, and it yeah. was kind of like oh, everyone's and just in this exact. Oh, and, and Godzilla, Godzilla opened to 92. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, and speaking of, that's my answer. It would be Guardians one. Uh, I was thinking Avengers mm. one, but I was really thinking, you know, I remember being so hyped for the trailers of Guardians, and then I went to see it, and it totally lived up to my hype. I saw that movie three times in five days, which at the time wow. was a total record for me. Yeah, I saw it Thursday night, I, maybe six days. I don't know how math works. <laughs> I saw it Thursday night, I saw it on Saturday with a friend, and then I saw it on Tuesday with my family who was uninterested until I told my mom that it reminded me a bit of Firefly, which my mom really likes. And then mm-hmm. we all went and we're like, yeah, that was great. And with everyone I went, it was like, yeah, wow. And it was so exciting at the time. And it's still, I mean, I actually am one of those people who's like, I think Guardians 2 might be a little bit better than 1. But Guardians 1 is what introduced us to all these people. And if I was watching for the first time and being like, you know, being reintroduced to them all. And it was such a great time. Summer of 2014. There's, there's, 2014. there's something about Guardians 1 and 2 where the, like, all the jokes pay off and you know, they're, they're introduced or they're set up and all the setups have, you know, have the punchline executed and executed. Well, um, it's very Those noticeable characters in, are so low, in guardians too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, even though, especially in guardians too, like when they're, when they're just bickering back and forth at each other and you're like, okay, come on, you know, get it together guys. Come on. You, you still can't help, but love them. Yeah. All right, so we do have to move on. But first, Jay, you need to give us a question to ask our next guest. It has to be about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it can be whatever question you'd like. If you can show one of the films, if you can only watch one of the movies with your grandkids in 40 years, what movie would it be? It's a good question. I like that one. Ah, that is actually I guess maybe people are, that's another way to ask favorite movie, though. You know, well, but like, I don't know. I don't want to give my answer already because I have a week to think about it. But in some cases, like, you know, for in example, for Spider-Man, uh, the Raimi Spider-Man movies, I would pick Spider-Man 2 as my favorite, but I'd probably show my grandkids the first one. Sure. Yeah. OK, that's a good yeah. point. I do the same thing. You're right. I, if I thought about it because I'm a yeah, right. Yeah. So I think it's an inter- it's a different question than what your favorite is. Um, OK, good. Yeah. So that's a good one. I like that one. Um, all right. So, Tyler, take us away. Let's uh, go into our spoiler alert for a 10-year-old film. All right, so from this point on, we will discuss the 2011 film Captain America, The Man, Not the Toy, and possible spoilers for future productions. We do not claim to have knowledge of said future spoilers, but will gladly take full credit if such come true. We won't address any leaks. Or there can be leaks about a ten-year-old film. Uh, well, you know, you know what? We, I'm, I'm sure Tyler will bring up uh, Agent Carter's soon return in the MCU with What If. Yeah. So if there was any leaks there, we're not going to address them. But if our speculations align, it's purely coincidence. So we're going to talk about Captain America: The First Avenger because, in case people didn't get the reference to Chris Evans' infamous tweet. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so before we get into our thoughts on the film, let's talk about how we first saw this movie. Uh, Tyler, I'm going to let you go first because I know you didn't see this in theaters. Yeah. So 
This film came out in 2011. Um, I did not get into the MCU properly until around 2016. Um, so I saw this film. I'm pretty sure it was a good half year after uh, Captain America Civil War played in theaters and I saw it. Um, so, so yeah, I saw it on home Paramount movie release on the good old uh, just DVD, I think. Yeah, I didn't watch it on blue on Blu-ray, but yeah, I just watched watched it at home, and uh, that was my Captain America: The First Avenger experience. I will say, uh, right now, for Jay's uh, appreciation, is that I did break out the Blu-ray last night to watch this. Uh, earlier this year, I'd watched it on Disney Plus, but last night I pulled out the Blu-ray, and it did look nicer. It also Thank helps you. that I have a nicer TV now. So but, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I first saw this movie. Uh, 2011. How old was I? I would have. Well, I would have just turned uh, 16, 17, 16. I think. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, July birthday. Yeah, I would just turn 16, and I. This was one of the. If Tyler remembers, uh, when we saw event, I saw Avengers one at a midnight show where I had an extra ticket. And I made my mom sit on the other side of the theater because she wanted to see yep. it. And it was the rest of my friends sat with me. Obviously, I was like, "Mom, you can't sit with me." Uh, but. For Captain America, the first Avenger, I also saw this at midnight. It's one of the two films I saw at midnight premieres because after The Dark Knight Rises, they switched them all to be earlier. Um, I saw this at midnight with a church group of people who were all psyched to watch this. I had my Captain America helmet. I really enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed it more, though, on rewatch when I wasn't so exhausted. It's first time doing that. But it was really cool. Uh, yeah, it was a good time. Uh, did, not really a crowded you, audience. Not really a crowded audience. Uh, in did you wear yet. your Captain America helmet or eat popcorn out of it? I wore it because it has holes for you the eyes, it. so the popcorn would just fall out. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> certain angle or something. I don't know, but yeah. all right. And Jay, where did you first see this movie, or how? Rather, I, I saw oh, Captain America: The First Avenger at the Irvine Spectrum Theater which is the best movie theater there is. It just is. When I grew up by, there's none in LA that compare. It's actually one of like the top five grossing theaters. Like every week, if you look at the top, like in the country, when they have opening weekends, it's I like there. recognize the like, name from Deadline or wherever. You know? Yeah, exactly. Because just an example, I remember going like uh, midnight to the Dark Knight Rises and they had 16 screens all sold out. And that's including like an IMAX that's like 585 seats and like four other like 500 plus theaters. Like, and just in one showing, it made like, was that just, the theater you know, that went, hundreds of thousands of dollars? Was that the theater that went viral a few years back for having like all the screens showing Black Panther? I remember there was like a th- theater. I don't know. Maybe it's not that. It was somewhere in Maybe. California. I don't know. Um, but yeah. it's a big theater. It's where I grew up by. I went to most of the movies there. It's kind of like I would say, you know, the flagship like Regal Theater. Um, mm-hmm. As I said, it has an, not only doesn't have an IMAX, an original IMAX. It was bigger than any of them in LA. Um, with the, it also has a RPX. On top of an RPX, it has like three separate other giant screens that are like 580, but which are like bigger than like the IMAX screen at AMC Burbank over here, just the regular ones, plus a bunch of other ones and recliners. And it's like they got the Irvine Improv there. There used to be a water park next door and a concert place. So it's definitely like the spot to see a movie. And it was, I remember like pretty much sold out. I remember being like 80% full. I was 18 years old. I like just graduated high school. So it was the summer after I graduated. And I was actually got into like the MCU just from being a fan of movies because I'm a movie person. 
So it's actually like my, my, my love of movies hasn't gone down. It's gone up, but like my excitement of films and like being following them has actually gone down actually from MCU probably on because just at the time of my age, I was so into it young. The first thing I did when I got a computer was look up and research stuff. And I remember like 2005, six, seven, I was like studying and excited for everything. And up to like 2012, I guess Avengers one, it was like, I was excited for every single movie. Um, and then it kind of like waned off when I got a little bit older. Um, but I, since then I've seen this movie like 11 times just because I watch things so much, which is like, you know, mm-hmm. every year, every, you know, 13 months. And it just happens to be that way. Um, and it's, it's funny cause it's like not even like my favorite film or anything, but I just watch things a lot. Like if it's, you know, a Hollywood film that I've seen, I've probably seen it, you know, a handful of times. And if it's something that people want to watch, like anytime a friend is like, Hey, I haven't seen the X movies in a while. Like, can I want to watch them? I'll be like, let's watch them all. And I just kind of do that every single year with the new person. It seems like, and I end up getting to, and I love watching it with new experiences and stuff. So I feel like my opinion on Captain America has also evolved and I've grown to like it a lot more. Like when I first saw it, I don't know if I actually enjoyed it so much. And now I'm kind of a big fan of the film. Nice. Well, uh, Let's go into our general thoughts, then we're going to spring off into a, you know, talking about it. You know, that's what a podcast is for, is talking. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, all right, so Tyler, go ahead. All right, so uh, this origin film about the star-spangled man with a plan, um, it aged well. I still enjoy it, and I think the cast is great. Um, actually, upon each rewatch, I just find more and more details of the acting that make me appreciate it um, much more. Um, and I think that has to do with the, like the pacing of the film really allows these, these actors to get into their characters and um, really per- portray that on, yeah, on the screen. Um, the story serves its purpose, uh, which, you know, is given us Captain America um, and the film does exactly what it's supposed to do. Um, that said for, for me, for just an average uh, movie goer, I didn't, I didn't get any, uh, I didn't think the film introduced anything new to the MCU in the manner of cinematography or style. However, that is coming from someone who directed stage stuff and, you know, and not, not, uh, not cinema, not film. Um, and right, we're gonna come at I you. would, we're going to attack you. saw it late though, but you didn't see it till after Civil War. I did War. see it late. So it's That's a different true. experience. Yeah. That's true. That is, that is a different experience. But yeah, I, I wanted to go ahead and, uh, preface that because <laughs> Danny told me earlier, he's like, I'm coming after you, Tyler. So <laughs> I, 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 uh, I just want listeners to know you can find me at such and such address. No, we'll, we'll send <laughs> so, you to DC. You're going to have to rewatch yeah. Suicide Squad one. Oh no! <laughs> I watch James Gunn's Suicide Squad. I get to watch all the all the good DC stuff. Anyway, uh, my thoughts are first. I am very. This is a disclaimer. Last night when I watched it, I was exhausted, wiped out. I've had a really really rough day at work. Not going to get into it here, but I was exhausted. I was falling asleep at points. Not the movie's fault. But since I did rewatch this back in March when I was wide awake and really into it, I still feel like I'm comfortable. I'm going to stick with that opinion. I'm not going to. Try to assess the movie on how I watched it last night. But I will say in March, I was really into it until the third act, which to me, it's just that it kind of rushed through everything really. I remember this is what I thought. It was like kind of rushes through all this quickly and doesn't really linger on the character stuff. And when it does, it's really good. But I didn't feel like it really did. But weirdly, last night, the third act really worked for me, even though the rest of it I was really tired in. Maybe I, I caught, caught like a little 
little nap, and that's why it worked. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, I think this is a really lovely film. I actually would rank it top five in the MCU rather easy uh, because I think MCU movies always go like I, – I go back to Captain America Winter Soldier where they're like, we're trying to do a 70s conspiracy thriller with Marvel or Ant-Man and the Wasp, which they market it as, we're going to do a rom-com but have it be Marvel, which is utterly ridiculous. Uh, but in this case, they're like, we're going to do a Lord – not Lord of the Rings, what am I saying? A, uh, <laughs> yeah, an Indiana Jones-esque uh, adventure – pulpy adventure mm. movie with cat with marvel stuff and that's why i'm like style you don't think this has style this movie has so much style uh and i really enjoy it because of that um that's where i'm at on it yeah um i'm also a big fan of the movie i think it's a top five mcu film as well i've grown on it um it's funny when it came out i probably liked it less because i probably thought it had too much cgi and this other stuff because i'm kind of really one of those more like kind of like the earlier film type of person vibe, like later, like most recent blockbusters, it's not kind of my thing as much. But, um, but what I like about the film, um, what's grown on me about it is, but it's grown on me over time, I think, because, you know, as a lot more films have come out, we've had how many superhero films really came out until 2011? You know, not that much. We thought at the time, I remember thinking like, oh, we're getting so many superhero films. And it's like, we, since 2011 to now, the last decade, compared to 2001, 2011, we've gotten probably double the superhero, the big superhero films that we got in that last decade. So, like, going through all of that and again, someone who rewatches things so constantly and having made stuff, I've actually become, like, super fond of the movie. And I don't know if that's more so that I'm not as big of a fan of uh, the Phase 3 stuff. Um, and I, I'm a fan of the film. I think the first phase actually has a wider range of, like, diversity in what the movies feel like than what they they now they they, they act like they're they or they don't act like they say they're doing something like he's saying more so when they have a little bit of interpretation but i think the the style of like thor one and cap one and like iron man one are all like similar enough but all do feel like different in, a, in their own right and i think they all still feel like they could take place in their own universe um i think that's maybe why phase three is done a certain way you can tell they've become more of a television show and For everything's me, feeling uh, a little bit more similar and i think that the cinematography yeah. in Captain America, I do actually love. Like, I think it is, it's shot on film. It has more of yeah. a classic, like you say, Great. adventure movie tone. Um, it has a lot more of, like, classic, uh, just the way it's shot, the camera movement. It doesn't move the camera when it doesn't need to move it, but when it moves it, it's very, like, thought out and dynamic, and it's very much a more classic uh, film. Um, a lot of the newer stuff, actually, I feel like the new Marvel movies actually move the camera less. Like, they, and they, and the conversations feel a lot more stagnant. And, um I think the first act of the of the movie is my favorite part. Just I think like you were saying earlier, the pace of the film was good, Tyler. I think that's like in the character stuff. I think that comes from the beginning because a lot of movies and most action films, you know, they have like a big prologue action set piece maybe, or they have an action set piece, you know, 25 minutes in, and then they have another mm -hmm. one like 38 minutes in. But this film, like you said, does take time for the character first because the prologue is like finding his shield. And then they set up that there's a villain, and but we build his character. And instead of like having an action set piece, we have him training in the beginning. And then we finally get that yeah. action scene after he's become Captain America. So it takes its time with his characters. And I think that's why the first act is strongest. And why the film, I think, holds up for me. Because I feel attached to the romance and the characters more when I go back and watch it. And it feels more, I don't know how to phrase this, but like honest in a way. Like later movies, a lot of films fall into this trap. You know, the more you make movies, the more sequels you make, a lot of people, you get more on autopilot. But it's like, okay, these are the lines I have to say. And it becomes more that but i think there's this earnestness from the first film of not exactly knowing that i don't know it seems a little bit more 
I rewatched Coffee. um I rewatched Black Widow this weekend. I don't know if you've seen it yet, Jay. I have not um, seen Black Widow yet, which is crazy. Yeah, uh I, there were definitely moments on my rewatch where I was like, that is such a I don't want to be like that's such a Marvel line when I have a Marvel podcast and be like, ah, Marvel. You know, it's just like, yeah, this is the line that you know you could slot into any of these movies and it'd be funny. You know what I mean? Like exactly. a clear like joke that's not specific to the situation. I think nowadays, I kind of want to respond to something because it's something no one's ever brought up in this podcast before about the idea of there being really different um, tones and feelings of the movies is what you say about phase three is to me, Marvel has gone into this thing where I've said this before is that, for example, Ryan Coogler, and I think we talked about this when I saw you in LA and Taika, like they bring a lot to the script, but the direction feels very neutered in Marvel. Uh, with, although I think Taika gets his directorial uh, stamp on it a bit more than others. But I also think Marvel's kind of gotten this thing where there are now two types of movies for them. There are the Earth movies and there are the space movies. And mm-hmm, those exactly. have their own unique cut tones. But all the Earth stuff feels about the same, with the exception of Black Panther, because it's kind of a fantasy realm on Earth. And then all the space stuff with Ragnarok and the Guardians, that's going to be a bit more goofy. And then Captain Marvel's kind of in both and doesn't really work at all I'm not, i don't like captain marvel um but yeah that's kind of where i feel now marvel is it's not really like as you said iron man feels incredibly different from thor which feels incredibly different from cap one yeah um, so but yeah i mean i think marvel yeah. i mean i think they're doing a good job right they're they're making films that people enjoy and i think they found a formula that works for them so it's like maybe they're not swinging for the fences all the time like and I think that structure, though, allows them to do things that they feel is creative, but they keep the filmmaking a certain way to feel safe. Like, they don't feel like they're stretching too far. They're like, no audience is like this form of a cheeseburger. This is a cheeseburger. We need to keep the main ingredients of a cheeseburger. We can throw different type of lettuce on it. We can throw different mm. sauce, mm-hmm. right? But keep it a cheeseburger. And yeah. I think that they've kind of stuck with that. Yeah, that's a that. really good analogy. Yeah. 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 Marvel yeah. is they- a cheeseburger. It's not a negative. We're going to tweet it now. No, 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 no. It's, it's good. It's no, very no. accurate. I, don't think it's, yeah. I like cheeseburgers too. <laughs> my, my favorite food. Uh, yeah, Danny, Danny, I kind of want to like your like what you were saying about uh, Phase Three. I said Season Three about Phase Three. Um, with it seems that they they go into this. Hey, this is what's working, you know, and that's what we're going to follow with. Um, look at Black Widow the person who was first slated to direct it turned it down because all of the action was going to be done by someone else. And I think that's, that's where now our action, which a lot of these films, you you know, like that's the big difference between, you know, with phase three is like, there's a ton of action happening Mm -hmm. in them. Um, And whereas our earlier ones, our earlier ones are <laughs> a lot more we get a lot more like time with the characters and a lot more story, you know, story and world building um, where now I think they feel they've got that world built and they want to see that, you know, that action. We need the conflict to drive the character, you know, the story forward. Um, so I think, yeah, it's kind of this formula works. And uh, I think Black Widow is actually a really good example of of that because well, the thing is also i think even comparing this one's action to black yeah. widows or not using black widow because i know you haven't seen it jay but you can talk I about it i don't care well well no no because i want to talk about the action nowadays in marvel to like i think my go-to always is compare the action in winter soldier to the action in civil war i think the winter soldier action is way more interesting and way more kinetic personally uh and how it's done but that's also the style i think it's going for but i also always think of Black Panther, right? I think 
what Ryan Coogler does in Creed shows he could probably do really great action in an action movie, but I don't think the action in Black Panther is that great. Uh, I think it has a couple good moments in there, but comparing it to any of the boxing in Creed, it's just kind of like, what? Yeah. Um, Black Panther is one of those movies that I think is best when it's like not tying itself to the MCU. Like when I watch yeah. Black Panther, there's an alternate universe where it's like, I wish I could take Ryan Coogler transport him to like 2008 2010 warner brothers they give him 160 million dollars and he just makes a solo black panther film and they go to africa to shoot it in new zealand versus atlanta yeah no yeah 100 because i like because I, I i enjoy that film and it's a it's a really well done film ryan coogler's like, like the most talented director but like you know when they're fighting at the end and there's like the rhino cgi like even the rocks behind them are fake and the hills and you feel the sky's fake and it's like Listen, I've seen the Lord of the Ring movies. I've seen two towers where they're running in, from the dog. It's a very similar, like the wolves, very similar setup. And it's 10 years, like more than 10 years previously. And it just looks real and better. And I know they could have done it and could have maybe, you know, that's when I watch those things. I think like they could have gone to the actual location, like, and had, you know, they could have built houses. They could have had people work on the set. Like I watched the making of Blood Diamond and like they went to Africa. They shot in Africa. They got like they taught people. They built like a film school. They taught people. They paid locals. They built villages. Like they just don't do that type of stuff as much today. And I know like the 2008 mm. version would do that. And I'm excited to see Black Panther too because I think they'll let him do more. And I think Black Panther is one of the movies that has more style shining through it. But I think you can tell the moments that like get a little more second unity. But I think it is he has more of a say because he made Creed before, which I think really helped because it's that mid budget yeah. movie that like led him to do that. You know. Yeah, and then I, I guess think, back to the second unit thing. Sorry, last thing. No, you're good. No, you're Loki, good. No, I, we're good. Go ahead. Watching Loki, and I enjoyed the show enough, but you know, my issues with it, I guess, is I like the first two episodes, and the third episode happens, and when the action started, it's like, oh, it just turned into like handheld second unit. And it's like the show before was like trying to be interesting and like you know more of like someone who's more into like uh, you know like like a Legion type of show or more of a Coen Brothers with type type of angles and the lenses they were trying to use and the set design and they weren't you cutting so much and then all of a sudden the moment an action scene happened it was like handheld shake cam and then like after it was like back to normal and it was like okay and then it wasn't until later in the season they started figuring out the, some of the action felt the same. So I wonder if like those earlier ones were second unit but it kind of feel like you're saying that the, the action is all kind of feeling harmonious throughout the later movies. Entertaining, right? And tasty, but yeah. like not nothing yeah. is just like distinctive, right? We here, we, me and Tyler, we both really like Loki, but we also agree that the worst aspect of it, I think we agree, right? Yeah. The worst part yeah, we is do. the action. The, the action, action was yeah. just like, this is an afterthought, which is fine, but if it's an afterthought, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I, no, I, I mean, I, uh, I agree with you. What if I we got not be a, yeah, yeah. What if we got Ryan Coogler directed Static Shock? Are either of you familiar with Static Shock? Yeah. I'm not, but I'm in. Yeah. I, I watched Static Sh- Shock as a kid, the cartoon. Do you remember the um, show? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I watched the cartoon. I need to um, look this up. I may know. Well, my thing is with that is I'd rather, I'd rather see what Coogler... I feel like Coogler will have the most freedom anyone has had at Marvel yet with Black Panther 2. Because he yeah. got that movie. And phase one. I think phase one, they gave everyone a lot more freedom because they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. But they're like, well, we got all these Oscars on. And then also the pressure, you know, is on for Black Panther 2 to be great because of everything that happened with Chadwick. Um, mm-hmm. So to me, I'm like, great. He's going to have all this creative control. I hope he nails it because I really would like to see these Marvel movies with more stuff. And like people are like, Chloe Zhao is going to have so much creative control in Eternals. But then like Kevin Feige does this interview where he goes... 
He goes, uh, what was the exact quote? He's like, she showed me this shot of the sunset perfectly done. And I, it was blew my mind. It was in camera and that shots in like the trailer. And it's like, yeah, that's what natural lighting looks like. Did you not watch her other movies before? Like, yeah. 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 Anyway, Captain America one. (laughs) 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 Um, where should we start with this? Um, we could start at the beginning or we can jump around a bit. Uh, I don't know. We could, well, let's start at the beginning. Uh, the cold open where we always talk about the Marvel cold open. And I don't know what you're, you know what? Actually, someone has told me, I don't know who, someone told me you hate that Marvel movies will have a scene before the Marvel logo. Is that true? Or am I confusing you with someone else? No, it depends. First of all, I love Marvel. I would love to direct a Marvel movie. Nothing I say is actually negative about anything. So okay. I, I absolutely, this is just fun talking with friends. Uh, um, no, but I think the Captain America one I do like, because that's a classic one. It's before they developed the Marvel pre-title. That's a regular classic movie open that's just like, it's, you know, that's actually one yeah. of the things I like about the yeah. movie. That, it's like, it's, you know, it starts out, it's just like snowy. What is it? What am I looking at? Oh, it's snow. Oh, there's a light. It's a light shining up close. And then it's like, oh, there's a marker. There's a guy coming at you with a little, like, little, like, you know, fire or torch thing, you know, uh, yeah. flare. And then you establish the ship and you go into the ship and it's that whole like mystery aspect where you're not revealing or showing anything and there's that. And then nowadays, a lot of the Marvel movies kind of have like they kind of do things where they don't need to show things. Like it just starts out like an Adam Sandler movie on Netflix sometimes where it's like a sitcom where like they're just like it's like a wide shot and someone's just like talking, it seems like. And it's like it just jumps into things that are unnecessary and should be explained later or a shot later and explained like like you look at like simple two simple things like. Um, you know, Spider-Man Homecoming, I understand why they do it, but they have like a, it's really clank. like it opens up with a scene that like just pulls out, like, look, my daughter, and then instantly it goes to like, look how nice my business is. And then instantly like the business is taken away in like two minutes and it's like very standard and you just take, and then all of a sudden it like jump cuts in time and he's already the vulture. And then it's now, so it's like two time periods. Now it's the title. And then it goes to Spider-Man. But my problem with that is like that opens with the Spider-Man thing with the very cool, um, you know, perspective of his, his little vlog. And it's like, yeah. you know, especially yeah. this movie came up before Marvel, that's the opening of the film. Because the, the, not only does it, like, if them, oh, if the movie just started, logos, and then boom, you're in the perspective of a vlog, it's already a memorable opening. Everyone's like, that's a great yeah. first scene. That's the way to start mm-hmm. a film. That's creative. And then not only that, there's that great transition with the music cue where Tony Stark puts, his, puts the hand down, and you have that, that little triumphant cue play, and they're in the, the, the limousine. And that, like, transitions you into being in cinema mode, where it's, like, widescreen. But instead, they have this, like... Scene, you know, there's like the scene in the beginning that kind of ruins that moment, I feel a little bit. And then the last thing, I guess, real quick is Thor 2. And a lot of movies do this, but, you know, in Thor 2, the opening scene is like there's a prologue where Odin explains so the many Aether. Prologues in Thor 2. So he explains what the Aether is. He goes, This is the Aether. <laughs> this is the villain. They tried to do this in the third act. This is what, exactly what the Dark Elf looks like. This is what his henchman looks like when he's a Minotaur thing. This is what the third act's going to be. And he talks all about what the, the Infinity Stone is. And, we don't, and that's the beginning of the film. And then later, you have the film, you have Natalie Portman going in. She's like, what is this? I don't know what it is. What's the Aether? The audience knows the whole time what it is. Then they go, to, they go to Asgard. And Thor's like, I don't know what it is. He doesn't even know what it is. Thor has no clue. So then we go finally go to Anthony Hopkins, like 38 minutes in the movie, 48 minutes in the movie, that's an hour, 40 minutes. And he now says what we already heard 40 minutes ago in the beginning of the film. So we were ahead of our characters the whole time. There's just no mystery because of it. And on top of that, they do yeah, stuff like yeah. the second time you see the villain, you're in his ship and you're actually like a wide shot, dark spaceship. And then it like is a spinning shot around his face and it's like, 
and these things are opening up in front of this like he's wearing this like, like a coffin thing and this coffin opens up to reveal his face and this music cue plays and you can tell the director or maybe they thought of it it's, it's shot and scored like the first time or like a character reveal but we had already seen what he looks like in the very beginning yeah. you know and then later on yep. the second act the yep. guy takes the little pill to turn into a minotaur we already saw what that was like in the very beginning of the film and even the third act you know we know what it is in the beginning which is okay if you do things but all of those are set up the third act in the beginning and the second act so we know when it comes later or something but it just feels like they're getting very much ahead of themselves and actually one more thing this is actually a joke but i think you guys will think it's funny i always yeah. say this joke i just rewatch back to the future i tell everybody if back to the future was made by marvel today it would ha- it would open like this so back to the future now opens with the shot of going through the house and seeing that whole uh that, what's the contraption the rude's rubert uh, yeah. goldberg effect thing where it goes by and it shows the whole day and it's like great one shot that goes through until you meet marty and he plays a music cue. And it's like a nice two-minute shot with the opening credits. And I always joke that Marvel today would have like, because there's no opening, there's no like company credits. It would just be like starting out, boom, hands washing. Oh, that's Doc Brown washing hands in the bathroom. Oh, he's standing on top of the toilet. There he is. Oh, he's going to fix that shelf he was fixing. He falls. He hits his head. Boom. All of a sudden, you see a vision of the flux capacitor. The camera pans up. And then all of a sudden, boom. Then it would start the same movie. Marty's in the house, a close-up going through the house. And you're just like – and then you meet Doc 25 minutes in the film. You're like, I already saw that guy. That's the guy who hit his head earlier. And then he tells Marty, Marty, I had this vision. I hit my head and did this. It's like, yeah, we know, Doc. We saw it in the beginning. We saw you washing your hands, and then you slipped in the toilet. It's like So it's like one of those things where it's unnecessary storytelling, but the way they structure their films – you kind of need it there. We not a place to put it later in the first act, they feel. But I'm more upset with the way it's like bluntly just slapped on in the front. Like same with like Ant-Man, the first one. Like the it just feels like I was going to say the Ant-Man you don't need terrible. It, it yeah. exists only to tie it in to be like, oh, well, yeah. Tony's but dad's you figure that here stuff out yourself and Peggy's later. here. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, yeah. the one that I think is great, and maybe you disagree with me, I think, and it's the first one they did with the logo is actually second, is um, the Guardians 1-1. One, one where it's Peter, it ends with him being abducted, and then the Marvel logo starts. It's like, this is yeah. a Marvel movie. Guys, sure. you might not know it, but we, yeah, it's a Marvel movie, and it's like, oh, yeah. no! <laughs> that's an yeah. interesting one, because that's one that, like, didn't like it. Started, I was like, oh, I don't like this. Why are we doing it? Like, just because it's, like, kind of clunky, and it goes, and that's my own perceived judgment watching their expectations, right? But by the time you get to the end of the film, and it comes full circle, and he gets the volume two. I go, damn it! Okay, that was great. It was good setup, yeah. you know. So like, it won me over, and I, now I think it is a good one. And it is a good example because it actually ties into the story. It's connective, and it's not necessarily spoiling anything. And then it's also like a huge time jump after it, like you know, exactly. Not, and then the opening credits is Adult Star Lord, so we don't need to exactly. So it's yet. not like the credits. I hate when credits bleed over. I don't like when credits are like they have a scene designed like a so like looks like the opening credits, and then like. They have four more credits left in like this complete other location. It's like, dude, you should have just figured it out to tie them yeah. in all before the past or that. So they yeah. do. I really like how the credits come in later in Guard. Guardians One is really good. Yeah, but all right, we have to talk about Captain America. <laughs> Sorry, it's okay. <laughs> I haven't like, talked about Marvel with people for so long before. It's so fun. <laughs> it's okay. We we love to. I love talking about Marvel and I like talking about all this stuff. But this will be the one time we ever cover Captain America One. So we really gotta we gotta get into it. And yeah. So the cold open, I've actually, this one, cold open, which is, it's about ice. Um, anyway, uh, uh, I've actually never, I don't know. I don't want to be like, I didn't like this cold open, but I always forget it's here. I'm always just kind of like, oh yeah, this movie has a cold open. And I'm more into the 40 stuff by so much. And I get why this is here. So people can be like, oh, this might be how it ties in. And it's a mystery of how he got here. 
But I don't know. It's just never been my thing, personally, uh, this beginning. Um, and I get, again, I get why it's here. But I also think, kind of actually what you said a bit is like, I don't know if you said this or not, really. But I feel like the opening scene of Hugo Weaving, uh, talking to the guy is better. Like, uh, when he's getting the Tesseract. I think that is a more enticing opening. Yeah. Uh, and it gives yeah, us I, Hugo Weaving's villain, who I like a lot. <laughs> i i think that would have been that would have been a a much better open um where you just have your marvel marvel credit logo open how they you know how they do it in 2011 and then we go into um i don't know if necessarily we need like what the score does there is like with the drums the do 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 um it's a nice introduction we you know and then we uh go to it's night night we get the setting and we know 1943 we know you know where the location is we know this is set during world war ii which automatically introduces conflict into our story and we're we're kind of like okay where's this going um yeah if if uh them finding cap in the ice i think that should have been this cold open should have been the post credit for iron man 2 um, cause I think that would have been a major hype moment in theaters, um, where we just, we just finished a movie watching Black Widow and Iron Man and War Machine, um, fight yeah, a like anyone cared villain. About Black Widow and, and then, yeah. right. I feel like this but, is the exact uh, opposite thoughts I have. Like, this is like the modern thinking that I don't like, like, I don't like the post credit scene yeah, yeah. thing. And I don't like, like, that sounds like the Marvel opening I'm complaining about, like one establishing shot, Norway, and then it's just like talking. And then it's just like, you know, like, well, I'm like, say we need to start with, no, I, but I, sure. I just don't think the, yes. Yeah. I mean, I understand you end. they, they're, they have made the decision to end. If you're ending the movie in the future, you have to start present. I mean, if you're ending the movie in the present, you, you have yeah, to start present yeah. as a filmmaker, and as a writer, there's no way you would get to the process and not be like, okay, we need the front end. So I get what you guys are saying from, but I feel like it's like, if you, if, if you made the movie with you without the ending, of course, I a hundred percent agree. If it's not, if he's not going to be woken up at the end of the film, then you should open in the Norway. But I think if you're opening, if your film has to have that ending, I think it's a pretty good opening because it's mysterious. Nothing's clear. You just see the shield through ice. So it's like exciting and it's only about three minutes long. But again, if it was just a movie that's all in the past, I think maybe you guys are correct. But I think with the ending in the future, you need it. If you want me to make it worse on you, my, my response on how to fix this would be twofold to keep it is one, you make it shorter, but two, you also put in... A Marvel character we know there, like Agent Stop Coulson. it, just stop. Okay, I'll talk yeah, to you guys exactly. later. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was going to be your response. <laughs> I'll make you sure to put Coulson there, so I, see, I know this is connected. I, I do think I do think both the both the cold open and the uh, the end the end scene with Cap waking wow. up in the hospital. I think that I think they both work. As your stereotypical Marvel post post credit, I think get a cold open as post credit Iron Man two, and then Cap waking up in modern day hospital as post credit of Thor one. Danny, I could see. Do that we want to jump all the way to the end right. now? And what then is this? <laughs> I was, I was like, this I'm movie just... has the best ending line of any of these movies. You can't get rid of that line. Of, I, mean, I had a but, date. <laughs> yeah, and it does it does pay off because. That you know, we had that throughout the, we had that in but the. See, film. if you don't have the you ending know. there, then all of a sudden in Avengers, he's just in. You know, you just had you didn't have a scene establishing him in the present. 
It's kind of like what I was talking about. Uh, because sorry, people Tom, don't sit through the credits all the time. You, well, but. No, but people just don't sit through the credits a lot. That's my biggest problem is people think everyone's a fan. Yeah. But like regular people don't do that. And I don't think the story should bleed into that. I think it should be a fun thing that you don't need to have watched. Like you shouldn't – like my mom gotcha. shouldn't have to see okay. Falcon and the Winter Soldier to like like Captain America 4 with Anthony Mackie. But if you've seen it, it's a bonus. And that's how a post credit scene should be. Whoa. So like I, I, I know if I saw it with my family and they'd see Captain 1, they'd be like – How's Captain Cap? What happened at the end? He's in the present day. You know, you can't have people asking a bunch of questions the first two, three minutes because that's the time that's when true. you need people makes, to get sucked yeah. into the movie as much as possible. And but I like, I get as a fan what you guys are saying, though. Well, no, no, but I 100% agree with you on the post credit scene thing, which is that I think I remember this happened with Loki. You talk about the most recent one is, you know, the fourth episode has a post credit scene that I argued to Tyler that should have been the cold open of the next episode. And the, sure. and the, the, the ending of that episode is like, Loki apparently dies. So does Owen Wilson. And yeah. it's just Sylvie and uh, Ravona like staring at each other. And that's the end of the episode. It's like, oh, no one would know what happened. And then you open the next episode with a reveal of Loki waking up and Richard E. Grant is standing at him. And then you get the logo. And it's like that that is the opening of the episode. That should not yeah. be a post credit scene that gets rid of all your drama for the next week. But that's TV. That's not a – but even then it's like people turn off the stuff. As soon as the credits roll, they're not going to sit through three minutes of credits on a TV show. So yeah. it's like, what? And I, I, yeah, I agree. And I also just think like this as an epilogue works. Like I think it is a really good scene. I love the the camera when he comes out into Times Square. I love yeah. Nick Fury being there. And I love, I, as I already said, I love the last few lines of this. Yeah, and it's it's funny. I'm iffy on the like another directing point I noticed is like it ends on a downer, right? So like it ends on gonna have a date and it just cuts to black. So like you can't have put credits there. You can't just put like I am your hero. You have to like you have to meet the audience back. So right when it ends, what does it do? It's like bum da bum 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 da, and it shows like the like sign up now and it has all these little posts because it reminds you like no, you had a fun time. It's a fun movie, guys. Don't worry that we ended on him. You know, like his you know his love of his life may be dead or eighty years old, but uh, <laughs> here we go. Have a well, good hey, time. He's and, friends and, with and Nick Fury now, and we all like yeah, Nick, I, <laughs> we assume you like Nick Fury. So. <laughs> Uh, but I, I've always liked the. I like that it. I like that it's a sad ending though, because you know what Marvel movie has a sad ending until Infinity War, right? Mm-hmm. I really can't think of any. I honestly, I'm trying to think of one now. I don't think any of them do. This one is the most like. I I, I always want to call it bittersweet because you know, but it's really more. It's bittersweet because at the time I was like, oh, but he's gonna be in the Avengers and it's gonna be so cool. Uh, it really has nothing to do with the film itself. It has to do with me knowing that he's coming back. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, I don't know. I've always liked the ending. Um, but all right, now let's go back to the beginning. And uh, <laughs> I want to talk about uh, the visual effects on this and how they've aged, particularly in how I remember when I saw this in theaters way back when, um, I was really impressed by skinny Chris Evans. And I remember whenever I've visited since, you know, Avengers and Captain America 2, I was always like, wow, this looks really weird. But I think it was because at the time, you know, I didn't really, I wasn't, even though I'd seen like the Fantastic Four movies, he's not like super jacked in them, right? He's nowhere near the muscle level he's here. And yeah. like, I was, I was like, oh, that's just how Chris Evans looks at the beginning of this movie. And now it's like, no, that's just muscular Chris Evans head on this guy's body. <laughs> but I do think like, what, like, I have to work to buy into it now, which is fine. Like, it's visual effects. It's been 10 years. And I do think it still looks good for the most part. It's more when he's shirtless. I'm kind of like, all right, that's a little weird to me. Yeah. 
I mean, there's but some shots that look off. I don't think you got to work to like buy into. I think it, it sells it good good enough. I mean, it's a movie. It's a visual yeah, effect. Exactly. But I mean, it's but there's some shots that's like maybe it's a little big. Like maybe you should scale it down a bit. I don't know, but I, I agree with you. But the it's thing pretty that still really well done. Threw me was the shots of them in the him in the car with Agent Carter, and she's like huge. Next yeah. To him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like did they use like for these shots? Did they use like those uh, Lord of the Rings camera tricks? Because she's way too big in these shots next to him they filmed all those scenes twice i guess they filmed it with an actual guy who's like okay. his height and then they filmed it again with like chris evans and then they like took his performance in his head and they like morphed it down and like or took the other thing like basically took the head from one performance and then put it on top of the guy's head in the other shot i do think it's a cool effect and i remember also thinking that i actually think it works worse and looks worse in winter soldier when they have that scene i remember that really threw oh me yeah i mean it still throws me uh Maybe it's because Joe Johnston, I know the director of this for, yeah, uh, he, uh, I know he has more of experience visual effects wise. And of course, the roof system going on to Captain America at the time, just coming off of community and whatnot. Um, but I mean, I just yeah. money and time. Yeah, that's too. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, because of course, you know, it's in this movie so much that you really have to nail it. And that one, it's like the scene, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, what else is I going to say? I, I kind of wrote down the time code just a bit. So like you guys went, so like at eight minutes yeah. is when we finally meet Steve Rogers. So we have that prologue. Then you have that scene where you guys like where they first meet him in uh, Norway, which again has Raiders of the Lost Ark vibes. I love the car. You guys like yeah. the car? <laughs> I mean, come on, that's thick. And yeah. Red Skull, the way they always like kind of shoot him in shadow, I think is really great. Um, and then it takes like 15 minutes. He gets selected. He turns into cap 29.5 minutes in and that chase ends 43 minutes in and that's what i consider the first act so i don't know what you it's guys a great think of first, first act. act it is um, yeah if i had to pick okay, i actually the thing is later i do pick my favorite scene i don't think i pick that uh yeah i don't pick that scene but the scene right after he gets his powers and he's running through brooklyn so good such a great like realization of power scene uh, mm-hmm. in a way i really don't think any of these movies ever nailed again after this one, uh, I guess Iron Man has one as well. I think of though, like you know, Spider Man one when he's like, no, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, powers. of course. That's what that climbing up the walls like the most iconic thing ever as a kid. Come on, yeah, yeah. I had the I had the DVD of Spider Man one. It came through with the DVD player, and I watched it all the time. Yes, yeah, I, I put on the DVD menu and I just listened to the theme music of Danny Elfman. Yeah. Anyway, I was six. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I just I remember when I rewatched it in March, that scene really stuck out to me. It's like, yeah, this is an awesome way to show his powers because you know Captain America is one of those people. I remember when Avengers one came out, like, what's Captain America doing on this team with Iron Man? And of course, what's Captain America and Black Widow and Hawkeye doing on here when the other three are the Hulk, Iron Man, and Thor? And it's like that scene shows like he has. I think his powers are like they're basic, but they're cool. Like, and mm-hmm. it's a good way of showcasing how much. Like how he's out running the cars, how he's running too fast. He can't really even keep his like. What do you call? It? Make yeah, he's turn. like he's like a newborn deer learning to run. Like <laughs> sure. that's that's really what he is. Yeah. yeah, which I mean, you think about it, like he's not been at this height. He's you know he's never been, he's never had this like this amount of muscle. Uh, yeah, it's all all new all new to him. Um, yeah, actually, that, yeah, that stood out to me last night when I. I remember the sequence. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, this is crazy for him. This is like the first time 
this has ever happened. You know, whenever I revisit this movie now, I'm always like, oh, it's Captain America. Of course he's like this. But it's like sure. always going back to this, like after you watch whatever Marvel movie in the future, like you go back after Winter Soldier, you go back after Endgame, you're like, wow, yeah, this is his origin. This is why he's such a great character to me. Um, one yeah, one no, thing I, I really I like liked, a lot too. Yeah. Uh, one thing one thing I really like about and this this goes for part partially with Chris Evans's uh, performance, but uh, what I like about Captain America specifically in this movie is how vulnerable he is and how insecure he is because even though yes his body has changed. Um, he's still the same he's still the same guy that he was you know a year a year ago you know he's he's still this guy who's very insecure who uh still just wants to, he just wants to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do um and i think i i think that that it's a it's a point the insecurity I think it's a point that we can, as the audience, we seeing this superhero who's vulnerable, we can we can relate to that or, you know, we can sympathize with with that. And uh, that's something that it's it gets harder to do with characters as we go further along into the into the MCU. But I I really like that about this one. And I think the thing that's interesting about his insecurity is, to me, it doesn't really come into play until he becomes Captain America, you know, until he gets a serum. I think before it, which is what makes us all love him, is like, you know, it's the scene everyone goes back to in this movie because Marvel referenced it again and again and again. But, you know, he's in the theater. Someone talks during the movie. He's like, start the cartoon. He's like, shut up. And then we just immediately cut to him being beat up in the alley by the guy he told to shut up. Mm, yes. And it's like, oh, it's I such a good... I do this all day. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The trash, the trash yeah. thing as a shield. Yeah, exactly. It's instantly iconic. And that's really like, I feel like that, that is the introduction of him, right? That, or is there a scene before? I can't remember. There's the scene is, before where he's um, oh, he's, he's trying to, yeah. yeah, where he's denied. Yeah. Yeah. But then this is really our intro to him, um, where we see he's just a really, he's a decent guy. You know, like he, yeah. he is. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. It's just, well, we care. Know, we it, care about him. Like, I'm like, we we definitely like understand he's a good guy before he becomes a superhero. Like, we're rooting for him. We know he deserves it. We know he's the right candidate. You know, so it's like you. you yeah. I mean, it's actually the more I watch it, the more I'm like invested in his like journey. I guess, and he really they do a lot in a, in a short amount of time actually. And one of my favorite scenes, like we'll talk about later, maybe it's my favorite scene, but is when he's actually transforming, like the transformation scene. I think they like nail that classic, like the whole thing when he goes in and they step in all of the shots of turning all the knobs and the suspense of everyone looking, I think the cutting and the editing and all of the music and the buildup. And then of course where he's like, no, I can do it. I think I just, you really you feel for yeah. him there. And I feel like you're like, you, you feel good when he comes out and you're genuinely shocked. Like the characters when he comes out so buff, even though, you know, Chris Evans, he looks like the buffest and the most glistening he's ever looked in his life. So like, I don't know. And it leads into that chase, which is so great as you talked about. Well, this is a movie where I feel like if I was like literally just list off sequences of it that feel instantly iconic, there are so many in here. Because I'm thinking, yeah, that scene too. And there's like, there's so many scenes, not so many scenes, but like at the camp, you know, where he jumps on the grenade. 
Like that is instantly like, yeah, yeah Captain America. Awesome. Or like when he even like lowers the flag, maybe not iconic, but a memorable scene where he's like, yeah, I can get the flag. Yeah. He just like, the more I watch it, the more I think about it, I'm like, he goes to lower the flag. The guy be like, ha ha. So funny, Rogers. You're going to run double now, you jackass. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. What do you think? I, I meant climate. You know what I meant, Rogers. You're not getting a ride back. Get back over here. Come on. <laughs> Cut uh, to him throwing so- up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we, <laughs> Sorry, I just, I yeah, you know, I, I hold on because I, that is a really good point, Jay. I, I like how he just he does this like at this point, my okay, so my brother is a Marine and I've heard story, he's told me stories where you know, and he's been like, yeah, that the drill instructor would not deal with that. Like he'd be like, is, "All right, you know, smartass, get back in line. We're running." Is Peggy you know? on there? Is Peggy yeah. there? She's yeah, on. The, she's like, in the jeep. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Peggy's the reason why that happens. Peggy's like, "Oh, that's funny." You know, like she doesn't yeah. say it. But that that's probably the reason why I've always excused. Like, oh, Peggy's there. She's probably yeah. she's kind of rooting for Steve anyway. So well, you got to have that scene. They need a scene to show that he's smart and he's like yeah. skilled, and it's like we need it quickly, and it's like okay. Yeah, it works. It visually yeah. get it, I, and you go along with it enough. It's a, it's a movie. Movie's got a movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I I wanted can't deal to with people who nitpick oh, stuff. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Anyway, as, as we do. That's <laughs> what podcasts I was are like, for, that's though. what You're we do. Yeah, yeah, we, we, <laughs> yeah. We do. Yeah. I, I got. I hate myself. What can I? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 All right. So, so I wanted to go over. Uh, I think we're all at a consensus that Chris Evans. It, he's like he is Captain America. He's he's definitely uh, he does he does the job. Um, I've always had the hot take the, fulfills hot the job way more. But, of yeah. the th- main three, I've always thought he's the best cast. Even though you know Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Chris Hemsworth, you know, of course, I'd also say they're irreplaceable. But you know, back when these movies were coming, and when I, I remember specifically when Avengers came out, it was like Robert mm. Downey Jr. is perfect at, sure. uh, as Tony Stark. I was like Chris Evans is literally captain america so what uh, what do you think about so like there were multiple actors who auditioned for cap to play cap in this movie so what do you think if we would don't you what do you think Danny? all right fine danny i'm not talking to you okay so jay what do you think (laughs) if john krasinski was captain america (laughs) i mean it's so weird like and having made something i feel like even weirder about it like it's hard to imagine anyone else in a movie once they're in a film because yeah films are so much built around somebody like you know the actor you pick warrants the look maybe a certain look and the moment you have this actor like oh we're gonna actually shoot a little bit more this way and that way so mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine but alternate- i definitely Sorry. see an alternate universe where he can do it like i think there's a yeah. version that he can play i think chris evans is the perfect casting i think he's amazing as captain America. same same but yeah i think he gets better with each film i think you see his confidence grow throughout them um but i think john krasinski there's a version of it like i could see him i guess it's harder for me to guess see him as little john krasinski <laughs> because they'd be yeah. so big but like i could see a lot of the conversations like he has with stanley tucci and i could have i could see him handling the dramatic scenes just as well or the scenes at the bar mm. the scenes discussing it um, and almost, he's a big guy, but um, Chris Evans, you know, he's the man. The almost yeah. Marvel casting I can never imagine is Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Star Lord. I cannot imagine. Yeah, yeah, I can't. Oh, I never heard that. What? Ugh. No, yeah, he was. Uh, was Ant Man. Well, it was Glenn Howerton was second. Um, wow. From It's Always Sunny, and then Joseph Gordon-Levitt also screen tested and apparently got in pretty far. Um, but as like, I cannot imagine a version of Guardians of the Galaxy with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. 
Because that, that, that seems so Chris Pratt. But I could also see, you know, some Glenn Howard. I could see Glenn Howard's in Star Wars. That makes somewhat yeah. sense to me. But it's interesting. Le- Gordon Levitt does not. So I'm like, huh? But anyway. What do I want to say so about Chris Danny, Evans, though, real quick? Or go, go, oh, go. yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Huh? Oh, no. No, you can go, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to say what I want to say about Chris Evans and the character and just in general is like, I remember at first maybe – maybe not liking it. it was a goody two-shoe or something i think it's grown on me so much where i i love that about the character because i think mm. especially at the time like every superhero is so morally challenged you know a lot of these films are people like oh well who am i what's good what's bad in this gray area and it's like because it takes place in a, such a black and white period and he's just like the classic good guy that earnestness it's honest you know he's not just saying it yeah. to get points you know and you feel that and especially yeah. throughout the thing you feel his like love for it and I um I really come around fully. I really like Captain America because he's unique in that way. That he's actually so morally yeah. straight. Yeah, that's definitely present in the uh, the first Avengers. We get that dynamic between him and uh, RDJ with Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I remember people. I, I I hate to bring up also, of course, the Marvel DC versus DC thing. But I remember you know when Man of Steel came out, and I I actually like Man of Steel a decent amount. Um, but a lot of people were like, but Captain America is pretty much the Superman we have of today anyway, because, of course, the Snyder version of Superman isn't necessarily, you know, uh, the earnest hero that, you know, we want to see. Not that we want to see. I want to see up Superman. Sure, sure. You know, um, but I, I, I actually do like Cavill's Superman as well. It's just that, you know, Captain America is at for the 2010s. He is pretty much the only super earnest superhero, which is why, you know, in the sequels, when they put him into this like grayish espionage thriller it's always interesting because it's his character and then the world around him like of course that's why he's pairing with black widow is always so good yeah Yeah. but yeah um what were you gonna say tyler to me Uh, yeah (laughs) so i i asked jay about john krasinski now danny what if tom hardy played captain america I don't know I, I if he auditioned, it. but I just I just want your impression of it. <laughs> I think Tom Hardy was to be in this movie, he'd be end he would end up playing Red Skull. I, I cannot imagine and I think you know we haven't talked about him yet, but we'll get to him, I'm sure. I think Hugo Weaving in this is such a treasure that I wouldn't I yeah. wouldn't even replace anyone in this cast. This is a really good cast. It is. I even it think, is. Uh, there was a moment I want to get to this now because actually we mentioned it 10 minutes ago, but who cares? I'm going back to it. Is we talked about him being capped, being insecure. Is one of my favorite, like, so Bucky, a very controversial character in the MCU fandom. And I always, you know, look at this movie, I'm like, you know, Bucky doesn't do anything this, but he does have one moment I really like where they're at the bar and he's like, they're talking to you now. This is weird. I'm invisible. I really like that moment. And it's like the one moment of this movie where Bucky actually stands out to me. He's like, oh, yeah, that's a very realistic thought for this character to have it endears me to him in a sense and also mm-hmm. it's like you know this is really the only movie where we have this like idealized version of bucky um and thankfully sure. we don't spend a lot of time on him personally i think the other stuff in the movie is way more interesting yeah, um, yeah. but that moment in of itself I'm like oh yeah there's the sebastian stand that i see finally getting to somewhat act in falcon and winter soldier like there it is here in this first movie and then you know mm. Yeah, but anyway, that's like the one Bucky scene I like. <laughs> he's, he's grown on me as an actor too. I, I like him. The more the more I see him, the more I like him. Yeah, especially like I remember I really liked him in uh, what's it, I Tanya. Uh, I think he's very good in that movie. But and yeah. even the, these Marvel movies, I really wasn't impressed with him until his TV show. And I don't like the rest of the show. I like his performance in it, but his his performance is good um, there. 
But okay, before we move on past the third act, we should talk about the other three characters here, which are Peggy, Tommy Lee Jones' character that I don't remember the name of, and Erskine, which is played by Stanley Tucci. Um, I think, I, I look at Stanley Tucci, of course, I think he's great, obviously. He's always a treasure. Uh, I like him here because I always forget how Phase 1 Marvel, right? They all have these like cool mentor figures, I feel like. Because I think mm-hmm. about... I think it's Yinsen from the first uh, Iron Man who's very warm, like a very sure. warm presence. And then uh, I would say Selv's Skarsgård is it in Thor, but I think Tucci's Erskine is the best of them. And he probably has, I don't want to say the least amount of screen time because Yinsen's not really an Iron Man much either, but he's not really in the movie much, but every scene he is in, I really remember him. Yeah. And it's something where even like, again, like I watched that scene where he gets shot and I think, you know, wow this is crazy you know in falcon and winter soldier 60 years down the line in the timeline these people are still trying to get this formula right like that's, <laughs> i'm like because <laughs> they do constantly like erskine's formula yeah and it's like yeah like i i but like even at the time i think in incredible hulk if i remember if they might mention my name i don't know no no they do they mentioned they were like kind of not my name i think but they do mention that they're going to trying to replicate it yeah yeah yeah, yeah, so it's like, you know, all this, like, I think he lives up to that hype, you know, like, where they're like, they see, it's kind of like, you know, like, oh, in Winter Soldier, like, they're like, oh, yeah, Doctor Strange is out there, and like, but here it's like, yeah, Erskine, he lives up, and he lives up to the hype, I think, maybe Tyler, you can speak to this, because this is actually your experience, but I feel like if I was to come back to Captain America one after seeing the other movies and seeing the guy who created the formula, he does, like, he's a great character, phenomenally well-performed, of course, because it's Stanley Tucci. Uh, and even though he's not in it much, he has such a presence over the entire, yeah. honestly, the entire series that involves Captain America and super soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. One of, one of my favorite scenes of his is when he sits down and, uh, has that chat with, uh, cap like the night before, um, they give cap the serum and that's such a, it's just, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm trying to put a finger on it, but it's, it's just such it's such a nice connection that we cap you know is captured there um between these these two guys and I also like uh Tucci's uh subtle just like his subtle humor with the you know you can't you know you can't drink it I but I can drink it you know about his the alcohol. expression where he's like I didn't leave enough for you is great yeah later. yeah later on <laughs> yeah not um, as much as I should have yeah yeah, yeah. it's a great great moment Great. There's so many like great little moments in this movie, and I'd say pretty much every one of them Tucci is in would be qualified. Like every yeah, <laughs> yeah. How um, do you guys feel more after he becomes Captain America? And like that's you know because like then like the Peggy romance like take Stucci's out the picture. It's just Tommy Lee Jones and them. And then once they get to like you know the middle of the war after the first act. Well, I like Peggy too. Peggy, I think Peggy's the mm-hmm. other great part of this movie. Um, I think I was gonna get to her. I think. Well, you know, I can talk about it next. Yes. Um, I think this is like, I always was like, for a while, this was, this is the one good romance in a Marvel movie. I don't know. I I would have to really look at Marvel stuff now. I I think I've said this before. It's not a movie, but I think WandaVision does a very good job with its romance when I don't think any time was given to that romance at all before it. (laughs) Like not, no idea at all. No, yeah. Before it. Uh, I think that does this romance very well but before that show i'm very struggling to think about a romantic relationship that's done as well as peggy's and caps 
and that would include uh, Pepper and Tony. I don't think they're oh, yeah. Pepper well and Tony's. Episode. Yeah, that one's. Pepper and Tony's is, is good, yeah. but it's not. It's yeah. It's not. That's not the main focus because it's not even completed by the end of the first film. It's more yeah. of like yep, yep. Him growing and just understanding and accepting her and her value. And like, mm-hmm. and I think it's like, so it's like more of the arc of like him becoming a good person and that includes like how he sees her. So they don't yeah. really fully commit to it. So it's not purely like a love story. I think like this one is, and I think you guys are right. This is like maybe the best one. I think it's my favorite. I think it's the one that feels the most real. Um, and I think that's why they, you know, they call back to it so often. I mean, end game ends with it mm-hmm. because, you know, it's the it develops, thing that's resonated the most from this film. And it develops so well. Um, over the course of the film. It doesn't yeah. feel rushed. We have clear moments like where it goes low, it goes high. It is, feels very natural. Um, and I also think it's why, you know, they can't seem to let go of Peggy also in other stuff too. Like they gave her a TV show. They mm-hmm. they gave her two seasons of an ABC show. She's going to be what appears to be, if there is a lead of this what if show, it seems like it's going to be her. Uh, Cause at least for me off the trailer, that's what it looked like. Um, like she'd lead the whatever event, whatever they're doing with that. Um, and I, I, I also hope that I think Peggy Atwell, not Peggy Atwell, Haley Atwell is such a great actress who weirdly did not have her career explode after this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Cause I, people, I keep saying she's not in anything. Just give her, just give her a Disney plus show again. I don't care. Like she deserves, like keep giving her a paycheck for these, these movies. Cause no one else is giving her. And people are like, but she's going to be the next two mission impossible movies. I'm like, all right, that's true. Please oh, have okay. a big role yeah. in those yeah. movies. Cause you are such a great actress and this movie like she's so good in it like easily the best um romantic lead in a marvel movie Um, yeah 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 Um, yeah and and she she feels very much her own character um and i i really appreciate that and i think that's that's mostly on on her acting you know that like acting is like you're both it's both action and reaction and she's she's got that she's not just sitting around waiting for her next line um you know and she's 100 percent as an actor like invested in in that and my, my yeah. favorite uh imdb trivia of this movie is of course the thing that the uh her trying to ch- touch chris evans pecs was uh you know uh impromptu on set yeah uh, yeah it's my favorite favorite imdb trivia it's a great moment <laughs> yeah it's, it it's feels, a really, it feels it's, so real yeah yeah and i also think going off of that i think of course they're both great but so many great actors don't have chemistry with each other and these people have so such good chemistry mm-hmm. like we want them to get together uh yeah and the thing that's also great is like i don't again we see their highs and their lows not just of like you know like when she's like oh you're flirting with this other you're kissing this other girl huh i'm talking like uh, Cap's depressed in the bar after Bucky dies, and mm-hmm. Peggy comes to confront that comfort him. Uh, and it's just like, <laughs> confront it's just like, him. That'd be a totally <laughs> different you? scene. <laughs> how dare you? Why let him you die? Say Bucky? <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's just great. And then um, Tommy Lee Jones, who uh, I I always forget is in this movie, um, and I think he's good. He's Tommy Lee Jones. Let's be real. like, that's, that's it's like, and it's like I love Tommy Lee Jones. Like, great, awesome. It's it's cool. I remember when we watched Cap Two a few months back, and I, I always forget that they have his like picture up because I feel like people always oh. remember, you know, they remember Peggy and they remember Howard Stark because he pops up, you know, again and again and was yeah. played by John Slattery instead. Um, but I always forget Tommy Lee Jones is here. 
and he's a great presence. His last line is great. I'm not going to kiss you. Uh, yeah. Fun yeah. moment. It adds, uh, he adds weight to a role. I mean, it's one of those things. He's a face. He's a famous actor. He's an A-list star, especially for older generations. And he brings gravitas to, to the movie. And yeah. especially because, mm-hmm. like, you know, Chris Evans is not a – he was a movie star, but for a younger generation, people knew he was. But he wasn't a bona fide like, – he's not an A-list actor. Yeah, and, you know, it, so yeah. it's nice that he was in the movie just to kind of, again, ground the film and round out the cast. Yeah, I would say the biggest actor in this besides him would be Hugo Weaving. Uh, For sure. Even yeah. he wasn't really, I don't think he was in much live action stuff because he was doing the Transformers movies and not getting that paycheck. I can't yeah. remember another blockbuster he was in until like The Matrix. Was he in the Transformers? He, he voiced Megatron, Megatron for a couple of them. Yeah. Oh, he does. Yeah. And then he yeah. lost the job because wow. he said they were bad movies. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why he lost the job? Yeah, yeah. He was like, yeah, they pay me and I come in, but they're terrible. And they're like, well, and I think Michael Bay like actually like put us sure. here. He's like, yeah, if he doesn't want this job, I'll hire someone else. Then I don't care. Like, That's a very Michael Bay thing. <laughs> no one no one cares. And then he just hired the guy who voices in the cartoon. Which Frank Walker. Probably should have done yeah. the first place to save some money. I don't think <laughs> anyone wants to see the Transformers. Like, ooh, Hugo Weaving's playing an upper villain? Ah, great. No, I don't I don't think that was the selling point, really. Um, now, yeah. now that scene where he rips jazz in half from the first movie is stuck in my head like i'm just playing that audio where he's like no i want two and i can just imagine where he's like he holds up the tesseract in this movie and he's like no i want two yeah well now we can talk about hugo weaving a bit um i feel like we're just kind of running for the characters which is fine it's a good way to do it i feel like um i well i actually said this recently to tyler is that i think i'd said it on the our Lord of the Rings podcast. I, I think you heard this, Jay. I just saw the Lord of the Rings movies basically for the first time. Yes. Um, and I remember when Crazy. Hugo Weaving popped up, I was actually really excited. Was, he's not really in those movies that much, but I always think he's a great presence. And I actually, mm-hmm. I think he's really good in those movies where he like, in the third one where he like pulls out the like sword that's been repaired, like the audience bursts into applause and it was like, ah, I was like, yes. Uh, but yeah, uh, and then here again, I'm like, yeah, I love this guy. He needs to be in more stuff. I know why he isn't because he hates the whole Hollywood system thing. He's, he's yeah. ranted about it a lot. Um, but like, and he hated this role because of the makeup, which is why he doesn't really have the makeup on for the first half of the movie. But I'm also okay with that because I think I like being able to see Hugo Weaving's face. Uh, and no, I, 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 I think the makeup is cool done. too. That's yeah. one of my favorite things is how he's always in shadow. That little scene where he goes in to see the painting. And like he slips the light off, and there's like two frames, yeah. and you can't really see. And it's like he's just that whole conversation where he's in silhouette. Like, it's and you great. see the paint that's like very crimson. It's like that's like you know, like it's yeah. The film, do, the film does a really good job of like teasing the character the, before we get that big reveal. Um, mm-hmm. about it's what is that about right? halfway through? <laughs> yeah, about halfway through the through the film. Yeah, a little more he, than half. Yeah, takes it off. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit later than I remembered. Even like last night when I watched it, I was like, "This is later than I remember it being in March." Well, it's um, like a bigger scene because like they leave early, but if you count like getting there, unleashing the truth, by the time he actually meets Hugo Weaving, it's more like I think it's like because that scene ends. I know he returns like seventy minutes in or seventy-one minutes in, so mm. that, that scene must happen like 64, 65, you know, and it's like probably an hour fifty-two minute movie or something. So you know, fifty-five, sixty percent in. Yeah, like I think. Again, this was like I remember Red Skull was always being used as an example of like you know the bad Marvel villain. I like no, oh, really, like, yeah, yeah, because you know like there was always t- until like you know 2017 I think 2017 is where they turned it around because they had Vulture which people like they had Ego which I really like I think Kurt Russell is one of the best Marvel villains. Uh, I think most I think that's not controversial to say I hope it's not. 
Uh, and then, of course, the Killmonger and Thanos. And now it's like, oh, Marvel villains are good now. Uh, well, hell, way better we than also were, got uh, Kate Blanchett's Hela in 17. Yeah, Two. well, I wasn't counting because yeah. some people don't like her. So that, that, oh. I wasn't counting. <laughs> <laughs> I, she's a bit more controversial for me to like. Gotcha. So I, as well as like, uh, yeah, yeah, we did have her. But I, I know a lot of people say, no, she's just the generic Marvel villain. But now at least a woman's play. I can, you know, like, women can have generic Marvel villains too. I'm now. not the biggest fan of Hela. And if you actually watch it again, she doesn't talk to anybody. She has one scene with them. And, like the, and I hate to be the guy, but like... It's the worst looking scene I've ever seen in a blockbuster movie is when they're <laughs> sitting on the hill looking at that water. It's just it's really poorly done. You could tell it's like very last minute. They're like, you know, this this alley's not working, but we can't reshoot it. So let's just swap it out <laughs> Our, for oh, the for the edge of remember the, the trailer is like. No, in no, no, alleyway. no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 OK, we are talking about this, the scene where Odin dies. Yes. Yeah. 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 Terrible. Looks, looks really, I hate to say it, but like I can honestly say I don't like my twelve thousand dollar movie. There's a scene where they're talking at the lake. I'm really at a lake. I got a real camera. They're sitting right in the water. It looks better. My movie shouldn't look better. That costs one hundred and fifty dollars a day to, to shoot versus that. That's a small point. Besides that, Hella, I like Kate Blanchett. She's a great. But all of her scenes after that, she just talks to Scourge, who doesn't do anything. Also, yeah. Scourge never kills yeah. anyone. Doesn't do anything. He just walks around. So Hella has someone to say all of our exposition to. She has no reason to say anything she says because she just. Scourge, you'll be my buddy. And then she just like goes into rooms and like tells stories to Scourge. And she goes over here and tells a story to Scourge. And it's like, but uh, so I don't know if she's like a strong, like deep villain in terms of like script, but I think she mm. works for the movie. And the movie's not yeah. about the villain. It's about the fun and about the brothership, you know, the brother relationship and stuff. So, you know, this brings me up to what I actually wanted to mention to you. Uh, Jeff Goldblum, did you know he was, I just discovered this by looking at Wikipedia. He was supposed to be in this movie. He was talked to for a role in this movie. For Cap 1? Yeah. It would have been a wasted role. He was going to be the senator who uh, was like, this Captain America guy could be helpful in the oh. USO bonds. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which would have been such oh. a waste of gold love. <laughs> it would have been distractingly good, though. Like, it would have been annoying because you'd be like, that's all he's in? Because he just come ham it up for, like, three lines and then just disappear. Yeah. I'm glad they, wait, they waited it out to get him for his role in Ragnarok. Because I think, because I always say, I think Goldblum's a more memorable villain in Ragnarok than Kate Blanchett. Um, yeah, I mean, he's not really a full villain yeah. either, but that, they have like the antagonist. But yeah, he's an antagonist, a less secondary antagonist, whatever you want to call it. I like Goldblum and everything. I've watched all the episodes of that Disney Plus Goldblum show. I mean, I'm into it. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to, sh- I think I'm showing actually one at work on Thursday. So <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> it's our field trip. It's going to be a field trip. Uh, but all right. Um, what was I going to say though? Okay, so we've gone through, I think, oh, we haven't talked. Well, we don't need to talk about Howard Stark, do we? Howard, oh, Howard Stark, it's, he's nice there for a little bit. I like when he does the thing. Yeah. He's like, I did say a few years. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's all right. I remember yeah. really liking him at the time, but now, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. He's fine. You know, at the time, it was like, oh, cool. Howard Stark's in this. It connects to Marvel. But now it's yeah. like, all oh, this stuff always connects. So it's like, it's whatever. Sure. Yeah. We didn't talk about the Hauling Commandos. I don't know mm. what there's to say about them personally. <laughs> That's what I, I mean. They're like, yeah, yeah they're like, I wish they're here. They're here. <laughs> I wish we got I wish we got more of the Howling Commandos. Um yeah. Because they they were the if I'm thinking correctly, they were like a bigger, much bigger part in the comics. Whereas it's just kind of like, we're his buddies. We go in this montage and the only thing yeah, we go in the montage. Yeah. 
Yeah. The only thing I remember <laughs> of them is the Fres the, the like I'm from Fresno Ace line. That's the only thing I ever remember from any of these Howling Commandos. God. Yeah. So, uh, Always maybe felt a little out of place. I was like, I just didn't this does cadence, I mean it just doesn't sound like nineteen forty. I'm like, was Fresno a big place in the forties? I didn't know. I just like uh, yeah. I don't know. people recognize that. For some reason I'm always like of all the places I live by Fresno. Like not yeah. by it, but it's like five hours north. It's like a town in the middle of the desert. It's like literally like the worst Sorry, I don't to take that back. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say something else. It's Fresno. If you live in Fresno, it's a wonderful place. Um, yeah. God, you, hope you enjoy it. My grandma lives an hour away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, you know what? A character I thought you were going to bring up was Toby Jones, who's a fun little. Love Toby Jones. Fun little mm, fun, yeah. henchman. Fun henchman. Uh, but yeah. Um, He's a great actor. He adds weight to everything. He's got that good little snivelly, like, you know voice and everything and he plays it just well enough i think that you can tell like he probably like he doesn't maybe agree with everything he's doing but he's obviously not a good person but he just like wants his science and he's so devoted to it and obviously doesn't care if they kill people or do anything but he's just so selfish you know that he's just like oblivious to everything i think he plays that good where he doesn't come off like the evil villain which is why i think in the second one it's a little weird when they're like because it's like i understand they have to have hydra but i just think about that today of like if Hydra or fanatic followers of him and, and he died getting the Tesseract Red Skull, like would Hydra really be able to stay along for so long? Did Toby Jones really push it forward, yeah. you know, and put himself in the computer? I don't know, but that's like a separate question. Yeah. That's just a yeah, no, you have a, it's a good point. It's, it doesn't really mesh with his characterization here. I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, no. well, this is what he is in the comics, so this is what he's going to be now. Yeah, which is fine. They have to do it. I don't know. I'm more like, I don't know why he would like. I'm confused. Winter Soldier, does he kill himself there? Like he's like, I've lived for seventy years, and I'm like alive on these tapes, my conscious. But then like a bomb blows it up, and I'm like, okay, so is your conscious somewhere else, or do you just yeah, kill yourself? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> we'll get a team up between him and Ultron at some point because you know, oh, I like that. Like, maybe Ultron's out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, th- that's that's a character rundown. I think that worked. Um, so now we can go into. I would say. Oh wait, we haven't talked about. Uh, spoiler alert! This is my choice for the best scene in the movie. Uh, the Alan Menken song, the the awesome song in the middle. Oh. Star Spangled Man of a Plan. Yeah, Alan Menken. <laughs> yeah, that's Alan yeah. Menken. Oh, I remember okay. being so mad because I was still into Oscar stuff at sixteen that it was not nominated for the Oscar. This was a weird year where there's only two nominations for best original song <laughs> for whatever reason. And I was like, no, this this was a great song. It's one of the best scenes in the movie. It cracks me up every time. And I just love the way it's shot, and I also love the color in it. That's what I was really thinking about. Because, you know, like Marvel movies these days always, like, are not vibrant in color. Even, like, sure. Thor Ragnarok kind of... No, they're washed vibrant. out. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, this, like, that scene, it's great because it's so colorful. It's uh, the great, the color grading is so well done. And then it immediately cuts after it's done to this gray war zone. And it's, ah, I love it. Such the a good silence movie. of all the warriors there, the soldiers watching, yeah. Exactly. It's such a, oh, I love that sequence. Uh, and I also love that there's like a big Alan Menken song in the middle of the superhero movie. <laughs> yeah, and they let it play out. Like, it's not just like one of those things they do for 20 seconds and like transition. Like, it's a nice like two minute, like they two and a half minute. Like, it's a montage. They play the whole thing. They have them sneaking yeah. around. They go across the country. And it's a fun, you know, I think it lightens the mood. I like it. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, it's it's great. I love it. You get, um, the, you get the classic costume too. It's like a way to get the very first costume in there. Yeah, mm. that's I like when Marvel because Marvel's been doing that recently, you know, with, also with Vision and uh, Loki on his show. I'm like, sure. I like the idea that we're now, but it's also like this movie did it first, and you guys never did this again. I think until recently, and I for like a that. while, yeah, yeah, for a while. 
And the, yeah, you're right. It is nice to get the original costume. They're the punching Hitler in there, uh, which leads to a few funny lines later. It's just, it's it's a, it's a, also like a really I don't know. I like the idea that Captain America, because uh, Captain America, in theory, he should be a war hero, so people shouldn't know about him. But this is like this is how people know about him is that he did these movies, he did tours, and I, I like the idea, you know, like that. And it never really came up again, but like you know, there's a bunch of Captain America serials out there in the world of a Marvel where you could watch Captain America like on film and sure. just be like, yeah, this guy, he's real. Look, there he is. And like, yeah, I like I, just a nice bit of world building in me too. Mm, um, yeah, I love that sequence. Um, but then yeah, we, we get to the the USO and like no one likes him. He's like, you gotta save Bucky, and then we get the Red Skull reveal. And uh, I think the sequence of him breaking into it is really good. It's a well, it's like probably the only um, I don't want to say only action scene, but it's like the first big sequence of the film that feels like action. Well, yeah, but the, besides the car chase, oh, which course. is smaller scale, but there's like that's like the first act. Then there's the second act scene with Red Skull, and then there's really just the third act final battle. Because in between, they do that yes. montage action scene, which is like not really an action scene, but like kind of an action scene. Everyone was so mad about when it came out. I remember because it's like, oh, I can't wait to see where this is in the movie. The tra- the scene was in the trailer. It was so cool. And it was just in a montage, you know. Yeah, but those yeah. shots of like the bike through the forest and the mist do look good. Yeah. Well, I think mm-hmm. the entire, I think the, mon- I like the scene, part in the montage where he like takes down a tank. I think that's really cool. It's like I'm the biggest tank in the world. It's again. Yeah. <laughs> and then I also just love how the montage ends with just Hugo Weaving going full ham at the camera. <laughs> oh, <laughs> where he, it's just like this, yeah, super close shot and he's just yelling. Yeah. I love that shot of Peggy too, where like she, he sees her or she's watching the film and he has the thing, the locket. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No. Yeah. I was thinking that too. Like, yeah, the newsreel. Oh. Oh, this like, yeah, this like, is like a movie. I just you bring up these moments. I'm like, yes, that's a great moment. <laughs> yeah. But back to that like funny thing you said about Hugo weaving going like ham. What do you guys think about the fun little like, um, like the moment when they tell flashbacks and it does like those like picture graph things where it's like they're sliding across the frame and there's like matte backgrounds and stuff like that. Do you like like those things? I like them. They remind me of um. They remind me of indie. Like, you know, that's what this movie always reminds me of is Indiana Jones. I should watch sure. The Rocketeer because I know that's Joe Johnson's yeah. other big movie. I know well, I've heard it feels a lot like this. Um, you, you know that Joe Johnson got to start working on the Rares of the Lost Ark in the indie films. Oh, he worked at, he, he worked at ILM and he I was knew a he was on Return of the Jedi. And, I, I'd forgotten Indiana Jones. Yeah, so. he worked on Raiders as well uh, extensively. Yeah. So he definitely has that influence. Yeah, I've, I think mm. the only other Joe Johnson movie I've seen off the top of my head is Jumanji. Well, and Jurassic Park 3. Oh, which we don't like to talk about. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Right. Because yeah. uh, Joe uh, Johnson's in a doghouse for happen. life for that movie. <laughs> Wait, it, I, I didn't like, Joe Johnson intense, is just like... I had an intense vision in my head going, Tyler, like, oh, that one's my favorite. No, <laughs> I love you, Tyler. I'm sorry. I just imagined the image you said. <laughs> wait, wait. You're, you're wanting to title... Are you wanting to title this episode Jurassic Park 3? Oh, that's awesome. Is no. that what you're saying, Daddy? <laughs> no, okay, what? okay. To explain... Way back, I don't remember what, when it came up, but one time on this episode, I said Jurassic Park is terrible. Four point five out of five. <laughs> you said, you said, you said, you said. Oh yeah, by the way, Jurassic Park sucks. And then you went on to something random, ah. and I think we put it in as like, I think we put it no, in I, the. I gave show it my grade. I did. I remember I said nine out of ten because that is what I have Jurassic Park at in letterboxes. A nine out. Of 10. I don't think. I don't like. I don't think you gave it like. You're accurate. Well, now I'm one. having it on the record. But now it's on the record. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I just remember I was like, it's it's like it was late. It was late night, and it was just Danny ranting, and I was like, I'll let him have his time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Jurassic Park three does suck. Yes. <laughs> uh, but um. Yeah, I should I should definitely watch The Rocketeer at some point. I know. Um, I think it's on Disney Plus. Maybe I should. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's like a Disney movie. It seems up your alley enough. Yeah, I like I like the Disney. You know, they talked about The Rocketeer when I saw Luca. They were hyping it up because it was the 30th anniversary of the Al Cap reopening for it. Oh, okay. Uh, which was yeah. I was like, this is probably the first time anyone in this theater has mentioned The Rocketeer in 30 years. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, you know, I think the now would be before we get into the third act to talk about the score. Uh, Sylvester's wonderful score, his first great Marvel theme. And I yeah, think, unlike one of the, one of the better ones for sure. Yeah, I will say, unlike with Red Skull, where I think people have grown to like him more over time. Because initially, you know, I said people just thought he was a boring generic villain, um, which I don't think is true. I mean, I whatever. We're we're, we're past that. I don't I don't want to reopen that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but I think at the time people were like, yeah, the score is great. Like I remember thinking the score, I remember the score being like an alarm on my phone. <laughs> like, like it'd be like, Oh, wake up to, it's just the do, 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 like, yeah, great. Great way to wake up in the morning. Um, yeah. yeah. Alan Silvestri. I mean, he's one of the most famous composers of all time. I mean, the guy did back to the future. I'm glad they brought him back for the final two Avenger movies. Um, Definitely. maybe the most, memorable mm-hmm. individual score and the only one of the early films because he also did the avengers score so the two most memorable marvels like scores are like him because you know early on that was one of the things that also maybe not people like relating to marvel is deeply like connecting the musical tissue is like you know thor one and thor two different composers they don't have a theme carryover iron man one two and three they don't have the same themes carryover like they didn't really establish like main themes for those characters really and it's like captain america and avengers both have like really clear scores it was interesting actually i think i noticed this time watching it that um, the moment where like the brief moment where before he goes and runs out to the chase the first time or no, that's not the chase. Is it maybe when she's drawing the monkey bef- before he goes out the middle time or maybe it's, there's a, a little cue actually. That's like, I realize that it's Avengers end game. They kind of expand on it. Like there's oh, that moment when they finally go to like, when he gives the final speech and they're kind of going and it's kind of, I think either right before they get to the, like right before they're going to time travel. Like there's like, you can tell, he takes elements actually from the Captain America score and like mixes it with the Avengers score that's into cool. there. And I, it's, it's, I, I don't know, it's really strong. But that's really I just cool. noticed it this time, and it's like, it's like and I went back and listened to it. And I was like, oh wow, it actually is. But you know, he scored them all, so obviously he's trying to call back to little moments because you subconsciously notice that as a viewer. You no, know, even if you're not probably yeah. traveling, a lot of people like don't say like they don't recognize music or can't remember things. But when you watch it, you remember. You know, you feel yeah. an emotion because you've heard that earlier. It ties in, you know. So. I yeah. really love the score. Like, actually, it's a classic yeah. movie score, too. Like, a classic or- orchestra, opera. It just kind of, you know, it feels timeless. Yeah, like, comparing it to, like, Iron Man's time, I think Iron Man goes very, uh, I don't want to say techno, but, you know, it's very, like, I don't know, it doesn't sound like this at all. I think, well, Thor is very classical fantasy. It's not like this. Sure. It's more like... Patrick uh, Doyle did Harry yeah, Potter 4. Yeah. I I've, yeah, I don't know if he knows, I've never watched the Harry Potter movies. Um, but, what? Yeah. Yeah, 
One of those things my parents didn't let me watch for some reason. What? <laughs> you st- wait, I what? had no idea, Danny. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. That's crazy. I figure at this point I'll just watch them whenever I have kids, you know? Like, Dude, you messed up all of the movies that like I grew up as a kid. You didn't watch kid, like Lord of the Rings. I saw I a little Pirates. kid Harry Potter. I watched Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, yeah, that's amazing. Okay, good for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, watched those, I watched the Toby movies. I watched all three Toby movies, yeah. Steve McGuire movies. I watched... Uh, I watch stuff. I watch Pixar movies. Leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <All good. laughs> um, oh. But no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, I actually, that's why one of my best moments in Ragnarok to me is when they play the Patrick Doyle score again after so long at the end um, when Thor sits on the throne of Asgard and the ship. But Yeah. 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 It's kind of mm. hilarious um, the way they do the Dark World score too when they do the little theater play. And the choir oh, yeah. is like, oh, yeah. which is like the death music, the, the funeral music for the bomb in the last movie, which yeah, is maybe yeah. the best score in the movie, to be honest. That soundtrack's actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind I, of, yeah. that was like gold. I think Brian Tyler's themes yeah. and scores are pretty good. It's the issues that they never really, like his Iron Man theme, I thought was really good in Iron Man 3. I always, that's like one of my favorite moments. I always tracks, forget that he did, that he did Iron Man 3. Yep. Um, but anyway, uh, did you have anything you want to say about the score, Tyler? Yeah, it's it's top notch. Um, I think of this film like specifically Cap's triumphant return with the POWs. Um, and like any time I hear a variation or rather a hint of it, because I know that. Uh, oh, I can't for the life of me remember who scored uh, Winter Soldier. Henry Jackman, Henry Jackman. like Henry yep. Jackman <laughs> takes little little bits of it and will, you know, play like put it into his. Um, put it into his work but uh but yeah still like like you were saying earlier jay like it still invokes that memory of like that's the moment that i think of any time that i hear uh like caps uh any variation of caps theme play i just think of that moment and i think that if this would it'd be credit to both Sylvester and jackman that that's what like that's the image one of his first big heroic moments that I constantly recall to, you know, throughout all three phases. Yeah. Well, they were smart. You know, Winter Soldier doesn't you really use it a lot, but like like it yeah. references throughout. But like the first note you hear is that note, mm-hmm. you know, and that whole yeah. on your left, that prologue scene, you hear the music again. So it establishes yep. in the first scene really ingrains it in your head. And then I think, yeah, later on in the action, you hear, later on toward the end when you, get, he, you hear the cue again a few moments um, when he's like getting ready and throughout. So it just does, does instill it in the brain so that when you hear it later in the other movies, you get that emotion, especially in Avengers and yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, That's why okay. I almost wish, like, okay, Endgame, it's cool because they, they do a little moment where they play like, Cap, like Cap's theme in the movies. And they play the Avengers music, which come back. But it's almost like, oh, imagine I mean, it wouldn't be possible. But in some alternate universe where, like, they somehow took, like, all of the main scores, like, from all the main characters and kind of, like, we were yeah. able to, we, like, if Iron Man had yeah, a memorable like, theme. Yep. When, and when Iron Man flew, you heard his the theme. Doyle and then theme, the theater. The yeah. Patrick Doyle Thor theme, because they just brought it back in Ragnarok. So they could yeah. have done, like, but there's not, no hint of it in there. Which yes. always is, like. There's a YouTube video that um, takes the Avengers um, finally assembling in the Battle of New York from Avengers 1, and they play various themes um, in in there, and then we finally get the Avengers theme when it does the 360 um, mm-hmm. shot of of them finally assembled, um, like of what you're what you're talking about. Yeah, I I 
I've always thought like it would be so it'd be so cool to get that build up in these big team up films where we get to play around with, you know, the the different variations of the themes. What I was so weirded out by in Infinity War, and granted, it might just because the theme sounds like a B-side of the Avengers already, is that they never played the Guardians theme, which mm. uh, blares yeah. pretty loudly during, you know, the first movie when they're all holding hands. Yeah. Uh, and it does yeah. kind of sound, I always do say it sounds kind of like a B-side of the main Avengers theme, because to me it sounds pretty similar. Uh, maybe I'm totally wrong. I'm not a musician. Uh, but, uh, but I, I was really surprised, you know, they never took the opportunity to like interweave that with the Avengers theme at one point, but I also think that might just be Sylvester thinking it's a whatever theme and not wanting to use it. The only other Marvel score that I think that has a really concise theme that isn't done by Sylvester, honestly, is the Ant-Man theme. Uh, yeah, Ant-Man theme was good. Christopher Beck. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think, I, again, I always go back. I always do say, I do like Ludwig's stuff in Black Panther, but I don't think that Black Panther himself has a good theme. I think Wakanda has I a agree good with theme. that. And Killmonger mm. has a good theme. Yes. But Black Panther himself does not. Um, but, yeah, uh, the Ant-Man theme is really good. <laughs> I actually don't, I'm not a big fan of the Ant-Man movies, but I like the music in them. They're really Music good. is fun. I also like the little, the in Spider-Man Homecoming, that do, 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 do. Just that one little cue. Not the whole soundtrack. I feel like it's lacking in some ways, but that one little theme is my, a lot of fun and very Spider-Man. Yeah. My, my, my Spider-Man digression is always what I talk about with Michael Giacchino. I talk about Homecoming and Rogue One where the, the themes are fine, but Rogue One begins with like a doo-doo and then it just goes into a completely different I, song. I hate that. I feel bad saying that. That little music cue shift at the, at the title card and when the ship crashes into the thing, I'm like, no, get that out of here. That does not it – it just hurts my ears. It doesn't make sense. I'm with you, dude. But like Spider-Man's theme does it too. There's one point where it goes like da-da-da and you think it's going to go into the Spider-Man oh. thing, but then it becomes something totally different. It's like, no, dude, you had it in the opening logo. You had the classical Spider-Man thing. It sounded good. It would fit this incarnation of the character. Yeah. If you're going to do that, just give it to me. Don't do whatever else you're doing to me right now. Sorry, that, yeah. that's my Michael Giacchino rant there. I like Michael Giacchino. He's actually one of the best. I think it's one of those oh, no, things like where you Michael just get, so, you get so popular that you just he's doing too much. Like you know, that's why like you can't do six blockbusters a year and expect to do your best work if you're doing if you're spending six months working on music for something. You know, and oh, it's yeah. like the same thing that all big composers fall into, like Hans Zimmer, where it's like he's getting hired on movies and he's showing up for like a week or giving some advice, and then he has like a crew doing it. And he's overseeing it because it's like. You can't do every movie. Yeah, I'm going to gush mm. about Giacchino later in our green room because um, we're going to talk about Coco there. And yeah, I, I, yeah I'll i talk about it a bit more there. Because I actually, you know, I'll talk about it there. We'll throw it over here. When we get to Coco, I'll talk about it. Um, so we, we should be getting to our awards, but we do need to talk about the end, the third act of this movie a bit. And then we can go to, we can wrap up the whole thing. Um, so third act... To me, I still kind of go to this thing where it loses me a bit after the montage, not because of the... Well, actually, it loses me after Bucky dies, and we get that scene, because I just think, you know, it's a lot of just a lot of punching through the mooks. takes a bit for me. I'm not, I'm not as interested into it as the other stuff. Uh, I do like the part where he throws someone into the plane, uh, the propeller. That's, that's great. Fun. Yeah, I love yeah, that. That's, yeah. that's great. I love it. Um, but besides, that's kind of like, okay. Uh, and then, of course, finally having the answer now of like, you know, always be like, oh, maybe Red Skull will come back. He looked like he went into that cube. And then he comes back, but it's not Hugo Weaving. But like, like, <laughs> but at the time, everyone's like, oh, when's Red Skull going to come back? I remember people were thinking Robert Redford was playing Red Skull. 
in uh, Winter Soldier. Oh, I forgot people mm. said that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, people thought, you know, it's just going to tear it off and be like, it's who know anything. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. I. But yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have anything you want to talk about? I, I feel like we should definitely talk about it because it's the end of the movie. Um, I like. <laughs> I like watching watching the uh, the cube the cube now like transport uh, Red Skull away. I hadn't really like paid attention to how much detail has gone into that portal opening, really opening up and showing, you know, space. And I appreciate, I appreciate that for in 2011 um, that they took the time to put that much detail in, into it. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, now they're going to say, oh, well, it was always the plan to have, you know, them all come together like this. But this, like the phase one is, it's really, it's it's like the Marvel's really the underdog. Like Marvel Studios really sure. feels like the underdog. And I think yeah. that that's what brings, I think that's what helps set phase one, the phase one films aside from the other films is that when, when you're the underdog, there's a lot more bite in you you know and that's sure. what, that's what uh what these films uh i think think had um had to them. You know, and so so yeah i just appreciate that i like if you're telling me that in 2021 you were planning on introducing the multiverse you know and in 2011 sure. well there's good then like in 2011, you know, you were saying, oh, well, we can also transport people to other like to space or something like to tell me that you were planning on that just seems like, boom, you know, well, I, I have a hard even, time buying it. But uh, sorry, Danny. Sorry. Well, no, no, yeah, no, no, no. no. But, but going off what you're saying, even just looking at yeah. this movie alone, you know, and look going 10 years down the road, being like before this movie came out, it was like a Captain America movie. No one wants to see a movie about Cap- that's so cheesy. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and then 10 years down the road, there's a big budget TV show that's literally about his bird sidekick <laughs> and his best friend who's a spy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's so true. That's something we didn't really talk about, I guess. Like the character of Captain America was big in culture. Everyone knows who Captain America was. But I mean, yeah. when it came out, like you're saying, he was an underdog because the Marvel Cinematic mm-hmm. Universe, I mean, it was Batman and it was Spider-Man and it was X-Men because they've existed for so long. Like, you know, it was an underdog. Like, what's, who's Iron Man? Captain America and Thor? Like, Captain America's too much of a goody tissue and could it really happen? And, Force, and like, again, Force like 10 years later, now Captain America is maybe more popular than some of those other guys. Like, Captain America is a top-tier yeah. A-list superhero now. Like, Marvel literally made Iron Man and Captain America A-list heroes. Yeah, and mm-hmm. Thor. Like, you know, Thor, people knew who Thor was. Like, you know, like, that's what I was thinking, too, is, like, Captain America and Thor, before they both came out, everyone was like, who wants these movies? Like, who really sure. wants to go watch a movie about this guy with a hammer, you know, like, a, Greek, a Norse god? Like, Clash of the Titans wasn't good, or what? I don't know if that was for, it came out before or not. But you know what I mean? Like, Thor is, like, both of these movies were, like, everyone was like, these aren't going to do well. And then I think they did about the same at the box office. They did, like, like almost near identical. Yeah. yeah. But then, of course, Avengers blew up the next year. And Clash, everyone liked... Yeah. Clash of the Titans, the, the Sam Worthington, came out in 2010. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it was before this, yeah. It was the first like, 3D convert after Avatar, where they panicked and were like, we gotta make it 3D, it's coming out in three months. And we have Sam Worthington, so we have <laughs> yeah. to make sure people know it's, it's basically <laughs> Avatar 2. <laughs> no. um, but yeah, uh, 
I don't know. Is there anything you guys want to talk about, like the J or anything the action in the last? Because I do want to talk about one more thing before we yeah, jump yeah. to our thing. I mean, um, I, I I enjoy the third act. I think it's grown on me a bit over time. I think I always thought it was the weakest, and I think you know everyone's trying the hardest, and it's 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 well done. But I think there is some the CGI there gets a little weaker at some points, like when he's everyone's saluting and doing the little like Nazi type of thing, and yeah. they're waiting. You can see it looks a little Star Wars prequelish, like it's very yeah. much like green screen esque. Um, yeah. And like you said, the ending, the Red Skull thing is cool, but a little bit like, that's it. Like there's not a real clear moment of defeat, like where Captain America clearly wins. But I do like the action, like you said, better once he gets on the plane. I like that final beat. Um, and I like him flying down. Like I think that's the key moment of the that's end that really works. Yeah. Is like, yeah. you know, him crashing down and ending on an emotional moment. Um, and I think that really makes the film. I think it makes the, you know, it makes the third act better, if you will. But um, I guess it goes into that thing where it's a lot character. Like, it takes half the movie to become Captain America. And in the second half, it has a lot more action because it kind of was action light. So it kind of squeezes a lot in there. Um, and I don't know if the third act does anything new, particularly action-wise, that we hadn't seen previously in the movie besides the aerial stuff. That's why when he's on the stuff fighting the guys and they go through the, the propeller, it's good. Because it's like something we, have, it's like we haven't seen. We haven't been in the air yeah. yet filing. You know, we've done the physical combat. And... As much as I like, we talked about earlier, like him running and finding his powers. I think in general, you can tell like they didn't exactly know how to capture that, which is a very hard thing to do. But like, I think the later movies obviously get a lot better at showing yeah. him running faster or jumping in terms of just making it look just a little bit more organic. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I definitely still enjoy it. But it's probably my least favorite act overall. Except, but I do like that last you know five minutes. Is pretty good. I was going to say yeah, the, that's what I was going to talk about uh, at the end, which is um, the final talk between him and Peggy. So good, like so yeah. well done, and then of course yeah. he gets cut off mid conversation. It's just like it's great, great, great ending, and then of course that builds great into the Nick Fury epilogue we already talked about. Yeah, uh, that yeah. that uh, that talk between Peggy and Cap is actually how the Peggy Carter show opens with oh, really? season one, episode yeah. one. Yep. I'm, so I'm, this shows I'm, like her like reacting like kind of right after like like the show takes place soon after so she's like mourning it, and stuff. It takes place I think I don't want to say it's a year after, um, but I know that it's the war the war is over and it's her still still coping with you know with this loss um, uh, of Steve Rogers, but I it opens and then it focuses a lot more on her work with. They weren't shield at that point. They were still the SSR, I believe. Um, but then it goes into like her work with the SSR. And then uh, I've not seen I've seen like maybe three or four episodes of season one. And then uh, and then life I happened and I, I didn't want didn't wasn't able to watch anymore. Um, and the one thing uh, I know that comes in the show is that I know yeah. eventually they get like the 1940s version of Black Widow in there. Which I think yeah. sounds really interesting. Yeah, to they me. they do. But, I know yeah. they do set up the red room. They set up the red room in some way, um, and uh, I know that we will. We eventually get the Marvel one shot where uh, Dominic Cooper's uh, Howard Stark is like, "Hey, I want Peggy Carter to run Shield for me in Washington D.C.," uh, which feels like. That feels like much more of a if they weren't going to do Cap waking up in, mm-hmm. you know, in New York, it felt much more like an epilogue to um, 
well, to, a long, to this movie. Like, it's a long, like a it's like 15, yeah, it's yeah, like a good it's 15 a to 20 story. minute, that one. minute one, yeah. But uh, so that one can't yeah. be post credit scene. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> post credit scene for everyone. <laughs> um, all right, so I think that wraps up wraps up our tenth anniversary talk of Captain America: The Winners, The Winter Soldier, The First Avenger. Um, but first, all right, we always ask this question: Would you rewatch this movie? Jay, I think we know your answer. <laughs> um, my movie is yes, I will rewatch it. Um, probably watch it again in like a year and a half or so. And then we'll see again after that. But usually what happens is I just watch so many movies you want to compare. Like my friend comes over, we watch all the X-Men movies. Then he want, then my girlfriend wants to watch all the Spider-Man movies. Then I watch the Batman. All of a sudden it's like I rewatch like all the major superhero movies. So I might as well rewatch the Marvel films to compare. By the time I'm done watching the MCU, someone else wants to watch some other superhero movie. Then it makes a full circle again. Just like an endless <laughs> circle yep. of like comparing and contrasting every single superhero movie ever made for the rest of time. <laughs> um, Tyler, what about you? Yeah. Yeah, I'd maybe uh, watch it once a year. Um, I think it was last year I watched it like three times within oh, wow. within the year. Um, but it was I did I did the first one was uh, no it was twenty when did Endgame come out nineteen twenty nineteen that's when. Yeah, sorry. This past year didn't have it was. Yeah. I never remember when Endgame came out. I'm always like, was it eighteen right. or nineteen or funny or? Yeah, I'm like eighteen, yeah. nineteen. What's what's going on? Uh, so yeah, nineteen. I watched it three times within that year. Um, the first one was because I was re rewatching all the Marvel films to prep for um, Endgame, and plus uh, that was the first time that my then then fiance. Um, she was like, that was her first time watching the MCU. So I was like reliving, you know, all these sure. moments. And uh, yeah, she got to go through Infinity War. Like she watched Infinity War. And then the next day we watched Endgame. And she was like, oh my gosh, that was such, my heart was was so twisted. And I'm like, yeah, try try a year between, between the two films. <laughs> you know, where you're like, what's going to happen? But uh, but yeah, with that film, I watched it then. And then I watched it, I did like all three Cap films um, mm -hmm. to see. I wanted to see how well the individual superhero films work together sure. if you don't include the rest of the mcu yeah yeah you know does, i feel like this one is the one that's the most the, i watched them that way too yeah really i think i think they're all kind of their own thing it feels yeah like to me yeah i mean they it definitely feels like you're you're pulling you're like just jumping in in the timeline with with cap especially since uh like avengers one is is a big film i think for cap um for his sure. for his character progression but uh but yeah i've i've seen it so many times so i definitely wouldn't be any more frequent than that but it's it's still definitely worth the worth the rewatch and like like we were talking earlier like it's those little moments that you forget about that it's like oh i appreciate i appreciate stanley touchy oh i appreciate you know uh uh Haley atwell like it's it's those little moments that i think make this such a good rewatch yeah I, I would rewatch it as well. I don't know when though, because I just to me I don't I don't rewatch movies like multiple times in a year if they're on DVD. If it's in theaters, yeah, I'll go see In the Heights four times in two weeks. I don't I didn't the next I watch it like Did three you? times in a month. <laughs> I saw it three times in a month. I'm being exaggerating. Uh, the movie I've rewatched the most in theaters we will be talking about very soon. It's Coco. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but that, that's the most. Uh, and but also I think uh, up there with Spider Verse. 
Force Awakens, Mad Max Fury Road. Those like those are the ones that really hit with me. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the last movie. In the Heights is the first one I've watched three times. Well, I saw Tenet three times, but that's more because you uh, couldn't I, I understand what they were saying. I, you couldn't hear. Yeah, I saw it on film <laughs> and I couldn't understand what they were saying. So I'm like, maybe the IMAX is better, and it wasn't. So <laughs> two questions. Two questions for you, real quick. I need to ask. Yeah. Have you imagined Tenet with Tom Hardy? Because you talked about Tom Hardy earlier. Imagine someone explaining to him, explaining to him the the exposition, and then him just like giving looks. So like, oh, so, oh. I don't know. I've always yes. imagined that's kind of an interesting thing. <laughs> and then the I, other thing I'd was, I want to know, Tyler. Uh, uh, yeah, no, right? We would watch it. But like, would you? Um, we both said that Captain America is probably a top five MCU film for us. I'm, I'm probably like four or five. I have to think about it a little longer. But where does it rank for you overall in your 23 films so far, or 24 now that you seen Black Widow? 24. Yeah, I would put it. I think I would definitely put it above above Black Widow. Um, Hmm. That's that one's really really tough. I'd say it's definitely like it's got to be it's got to be eight and eight eight or seven at the lowest. Yeah. Okay. Um, It's it's the the upper third because they flow they flow so well is Ragnarok Infinity War in game like those three movies watching them. Don't you have Black Panther together? I thought. Um. Black Panther, I don't think. No, it would be in, in my top ten. I like. I've I've not gone through and listed them all. I need to. I need to list them all. Um, but but yeah, I yeah, I definitely need to Guys, go through and list and list them. But I have bad news. I lied. Uh, Captain America one is six on my list. <laughs> it looks like it does dang, not make my Danny. top five. I dang. lied. I Fire. have both Guardians movies, Ragnarok, Black Panther, and then the game above it. I'm going. I'm uh, going to DC uh, now. Got to cover the Flash in a couple of years, I guess. So, oh my bye. god, I can't imagine a weekly Flash recap episode. Like, remember that time <laughs> that? Remember that time that he ran fast? It the oh, and that he, happened. He ran so fast that he was he was slow and like. All right, we're or, gonna move yeah. on to our awards because we do need that. We need to wrap up this a bit. So, who is our yeah. MVP? We're just gonna go in the order that's listed in the doc. So, okay. Time. We'll go first. Yeah, Haley Atwell. Um, each time I rewatch this film, I notice how great her acting and reacting is. Um, I notice something new with the character each time I watch it, and uh, it's a very honest performance from the actor. Mine's Haley Atwell as well. Like uh, Evans is up there, of course. I've already said I like Tucci a ton too, and I, I think Weaving's underrated here, but it's Atwell. Atwell's the best. <laughs> I mean, I could round it out and say, yeah, I will, and I, and I want to. I think she's maybe the, the standout when you first see it. But as a whole, the MCU, looking back, I got to give Chris Evans credit because it's one of those things that could go very wrong quickly. You know, casting is everything, and Marvel's done a really good job casting. And you could, again, do it in a way where people are just like, I just want to punch Captain America in the face, or he's just too good or too nice. But he brings an earnestness and an honestness to it that I think, mm. uh, looking back, I think he deserves a lot more credit than I think maybe people gave him right at the time. I think people... Yeah. I think yeah. grew to love him as Captain America over the movies. I saying he was wooden in this, and I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like, what? You yeah. know what the word wooden means? Like, but, but Haley Atwell, yeah. like a star. I, can't, I was thinking about today when I was watching him. I can't believe she didn't do another blockbuster movie or anything because she's so mm. she's great. I think the only other thing she was in that was like big budget was the Cinderella remake, and she just played Cinderella's oh. mom who dies. So it's mm, like, wow. what? Like, what happened? Like, it's, it's yeah, I'm weird. surprised. Yeah, at least she's gonna be in Mission Impossible. 
hopefully, yeah, like, hopefully in a big good. role because I think she was like the first person new cast. I so. hope she's a big role and not just like uh, what's the girl from uh, Vanessa Hobbs Kirby. and Shaw? Like yeah, Vanessa yeah. Kirby size role. I hope it's a little bit bigger than that. Yeah, same. I hope it's um, more Rebecca Ferguson closer in size. You know. Yeah, definitely. Um, favorite scene. I'll go with Cap and Bucky meet Red Skull for the first time. It's a magnificent set piece, um, grand staging, albeit it's mostly C- CGI. Um, it's still still that moment, you know, this great big bridge, and uh, it, invokes, it invokes the image of Gandalf and the Balrog from Fellowship. <laughs> Like is where we finally got, you know, we've been teasing this, this meetup and we finally get that moment. And, uh, it, yeah. And Cap's just kind of like, who are you? And then Red Skull's like, oh, I know who you are. And yeah, it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's so, I don't want to say it's comic booky, but it's, it's, it's satisfying to see the two finally meet up, you know? The Mission Impossible yeah. rip, of course. Yeah. Know. Yeah, yeah, I got that. The mask is good. That's yeah. a good reveal. Like, I love seeing his face and the makeup and prosthetics look great, and yeah. mm-hmm. his performance is great. That's today, a great that scene. Came out today, it'd be mocap and it would look terrible. No, ex- that's like exactly my point, <laughs> yeah. which is like it's it looks so good because it's real because you know you can touch it, and even when because when you watch a movie, you know everything's fake, but it's nice to know that you can still touch it versus like it's you know just not there at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. My, my favorite scene, I'm a musical theater guy. It's the Star Spangled Man of a Plan. What a great montage. <laughs> so funny. It's something no other Marvel movie has. The closest we have to it now is the WandaVision theme songs. That's it. It's the only thing we ever got that got to this type of thing. And it works perfectly with the film. As I said before, it sets up the world. It sets up the character well. It gives us basically like a year or so of backstory for Captain America in the span of two minutes. And it's a catchy song. I love it. I mean, <laughs> Danny, you're saying that without knowing, I mean, like, you've got to realize our Marvel musical episodes coming up with Matt Damon, remember? <laughs> Matt Damon, all one word. Oh, Matt Damon, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Matt That's Damon. Our, how we refer to his character in Thor Ragnarok. It's Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt, Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, well, I mean, we did do a musical episode before, Tyler. You remember that, too. Uh <laughs> <laughs> You can oh, we did. Spider-Man musical. we did. We oh, did. The Spider- yeah. We did. We did an episode on the Spider-Man musical. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> I don't true. Know if you know that I have not we, seen the Spider-Man musical. I heard it's not great. It's on YouTube, and it is. Not- <laughs> 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 I thought I thought Danny was gonna plug it. He's like, it's on YouTube. I'll give you the link afterwards. Uh, it is. <laughs> it's an experience. <laughs> I, I would recommend looking up at least what the lizard's costume was. The that cinematography. The is cinematography the is how they put the lizard on stage. Is worth <laughs> yes. it. Okay. All right. I will check it right when we get off of this phone call. <laughs> um, okay, but what's your favorite scene? My yeah. favorite scene, I guess. Well, I want the, your scene is a good scene too. You're actually are right. Everything you say, like the way it sets up the world and everything. I didn't think about how like it is unique in a superhero movie. There's not that type of upbeat, you know, march music and anything really like. I don't know. It is a it is a fun, timely scene that does put you in the time period. Um, but my favorite scene, I think I said earlier, is the transformation scene where he goes from hmm. small to big. I think the movie does a good job building up to that moment, having all the suspense, and I think you're on the edge of your seat to see how it happens. I love the way it's always Dutch angles and little twists that it does. And, um, and I think that scene also bleeds into the chase. So I just like that whole first reveal. And I like that. It's funny. You know, it's like he's hidden completely. You know, if, if you imagine like if he was on a, a table over, you could see him transforming. You'd have to have these CGI things. And if you think about how he would transform, it's like a weird thing, but somehow about him being in this 
like you know tube that feels of the time and the light shining through um again it's more cinematic and it's, it's more believable almost because it's done that way and i don't know i really like it, it, it i like the aesthetic of like not science fiction but like technology of the 40s as well so that's mm. my favorite scene yeah yeah it's a, it, it's a great one too yeah um the worst scene though all right okay. it's the makeout session with marjorie tyrell and yes i know that has a game of thrones reference but I think this proves how forgettable this character is. Um, the incident. Game of Thrones. What is that? <laughs> the <laughs> incident serves. It doesn't serve a per, like a purpose, but to incite like distance between uh, the protagonist and the love interest between Cap and uh, Peggy Carter, um, which like the war could have done that itself. Um, so it does, yeah, it doesn't serve the narrative, and I think it's rather distracting as there's no real resolution to that conflict. Um, it's well, just kind of well, oh yeah, the montage. It gets all, the, it gets all she, the montage. She sees that he's got the got her picture in that in that. Uh, she gets the stopwatch. Him and he has yeah. the shield. It's great. Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> what about what about you, Danny? What? <laughs> oh, I already kind of said it. I don't like the cold open, but that's probably because I just like all the. I like in That's the worst right. scene. That's a hard worst scene. I well, I think the movie's good. Like I, I can't, I can't <laughs> think of, that's the thing is I like all the 40s stuff so much in this movie that it's really hard for me to pick a worst scene. That I'll be like, you know what? I like the end because I like the Nick Fury. So I like the last line. That's all good. It gets me really hyped for Avengers. You know, if I want to cheat and say the worst scene, it's that the post-credit scene is just an Avengers trailer. <laughs> but, I like that. but i'm not gonna cheat i'm gonna say it's the cold open uh because i just I, I think it goes too long for me personally sorry um, maybe you had agent colson no, <laughs> agent colson um i guess my worst scene i don't know i have a scene i feel bad calling it a worst scene that makes something seem so i don't think there's anything really outright terrible or anything um but i guess i'm not the biggest fan of some of the howling commando stuff i think it's more that they tonally like, I feel like they act the same way when they're in jail as when they're out of jail, which I guess is fine. But it's just something about they were in a bleak situation and the character. And, and mm. it's going back to what you said. They're almost not in the movie enough, but they need to be in the movie. And they shouldn't be in the movie more because it's like Cap's movie. But by not having the movie enough, yeah. they seem more like characters of themselves because they have such little screen time. So they have to be very clearly defined. Um, so, me, so I guess um, it's not a scene, but I wish they that stuff was handled a little bit better. Um yeah, I don't know if I have like a terrible scene though. That's okay. You don't have to have one. But I, wanna... I, didn't, I, I didn't get this list until 10 minutes before the podcast, so I didn't have a week Sorry. to think about my worst scene. Uh, um, I will say, in response to the Howling Commando thing, is I feel like they come out. I remember they're, you know, they're whatever initially, but now they come out as bad to me just because um, I think Wonder Woman kind of has the same archetypical support yeah. thing, and they're actually developed characters in that movie somewhat. You know what I mean? They they sure. are they have more going for them than anyone in this movie does with the Holland Commandos. Yeah, but that's also the movie's more about them anyway. Like mm-hmm. it's okay that the yeah it's just, but they both it's, do the same thing I believe where don't both groups completely disappear for the final third act. No, like they no, kinda, the, the no no the the in Wonder Woman they like Wonder they, like, Woman, they, stand on the, they stand on the side and watch they and they go Chris like they like, get on a plane. <laughs> they, okay, well they, they, yeah they did <laughs> thank you they help Chris Pine get on a plane for forty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a guest direction by Justin Lenny's. Yeah. <laughs> for some reason, I see this movie a bunch, but I forget. In Captain America, like in the third act, are they present at all? Like they break through, like they break through the window, right, or something, and then they kind of like just don't like they're they just kind of don't show up. 
and yeah. they run past them, and I guess they're just punching people. The yeah, then we just time. focus on Cap. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. Um, but the best moment. So this is not a full scene. This is like a moment. Okay, moment. But, so you have a bit to think about. So Tyler, go. Yeah, I like uh, the moment when Steve, Howard, and Peggy are in the plane, um, and they're on their way to go save the POWs, like including the Allen Commandos. And Cap asks Peggy, "Do you two fondue?" And it's it's just such an awkward moment that uh, in it like. I really value the insecurities of Steve Rogers. Like I said that earlier, but Chris Evans does a fantastic job of showing that. And this is a moment, you know, where he's kind of like, I'm really interested in this girl. And now, you know, like, am I, am I, am I going to be the the type of man that she's going to be attracted to? Because I, I really like her, you know? So this is a moment where he's kind of like, uh, I don't, you know, I don't know what to do here, but he still jumps out of the plane and, you know, he goes and does, does the right thing. Um, and yeah, I just, I enjoy the, the relevant innuendo in that conversation and, uh, just allow, it's a moment that allows us to really relate to the superhero. Um, my best moment is don't worry, I can swim. Uh, it is, uh, it's a great joke. It, I remember killing on opening night, even though it wasn't that crowded in, in Northwest Indiana for the midnight premiere of Captain America. Uh, but it also, like, it perfectly captures the sincere tone this is going for. And it, it was refreshing, honestly, even at the time, because, you know, even Thor 1, which has, Thor 1, it, I don't know what the word for it is, it, it makes jokes about the seriousness of the situation a lot at points. You know, like Thor loses his entire world, but you know what? We can still make fun of him because he's like, he's like, Norse God, that's so funny. Ha ha ha. But this is like, no, this kid, yeah, he can swim. Go get it, Captain America. It feels straight out of yeah. like a 1940s comic book. And I love it's that. That would probably be like my moment too. It's like the moment I think about and quote the most throughout the movie. But also just because like, you know, as a director, and sometimes it's hard when you watch, like, day players, because when you make even big movies, like, sometimes the directors don't get to work with people who just show up for a day and have one line or have that. And sometimes that can really separate a movie. Is like, how good are the people who are just in there for a scene? How good is the old lady who just lets them in and then shoots the shotgun and, you know, shoots the yeah. machine gun and gets killed? Like, there's small roles are very important in movies. Like, it's more important than people think. Like, it's good to have experienced actors be the waitress, say the two lines. If you have someone who's just, like, can tell it doesn't feel comfortable on camera it takes you out of the film a bit and that kid has one line in the movie and he nails it i mean <laughs> you could not have like delivered that line any better you're right like the way he's like kind of out of breath but excited but like <laughs> swimming and like uh, alive he's got the adrenaline i can swim it's just it's, it's just perfect and like you said it captures the tone and everything so i absolutely love that moment um if i had to say something different i guess i also just really like the moment um I guess the grenade moment is a singular moment, which just because mm. just because it tells you exactly like who he is and like, OK, you're going to root for this guy forever. And it's like nice because it reminds me of like you're sticking it to Biff because let's be real. When they cast that guy, they're like, we need a Biff <laughs> to be the, the, the guy. Yeah, who's like, he, is a Biff. he just right. is a Biff. So <laughs> it's nice to show Biff up. But yeah, that's it. The most disappointing aspect. Uh, I touched on this earlier, but I wish we got more of the Howling Commandos. Uh yeah, I like I like what you said, Jay, about how they become more of because of their time in the film, they're more of characters. And uh yeah, I wish 
Wish we had a little bit, a little bit more of them, but I, I don't know how, how necessarily to, you know, to have um, any more of them. Maybe they could have been training alongside Cap, but then again, yeah, that would have, that would have been a very different. Um, well, I think rivals, that would have been a very different. Yeah, yeah, and oh. I was like, that's what I was gonna say. It would have been a very different um, situation throughout, like uh, Act Two of the film. Um, okay, uh, Jay, can I assume that will be yours unless you want to think of something else? Because you kind of, I feel like that maybe I'm wrong. I maybe I shouldn't assume um, the worst moment. No, the most disappointing part of most this. disappointing part of it. Um, that's part of it. I guess the other bit is a, a different. Like, I would have liked a, another action set piece, but I understand the movie doesn't mm-hmm. have pace for it. But it would have been nice to see maybe not even action set piece, but more of a Mission Impossible scene. I guess going in the heart of Commando. Like, there's a little more suspense sneaking into somewhere. I think all the actions mm. when we run around are kind of like we just kind of pop up. We're there. We Which break through the glass. We run in. Piece works, you know, where he's sneaking into the compound. You know, yeah, because we get some of that. We get a little bit of that, me. but a, a little bit. No, it is. It's a little bit more of a. It's all very smash and grab. You know, there's never there's not really plans ever set for any of the set pieces. Not that they need to be. And I guess I also maybe I wanted a bike chase or something. Like we get the little bike shots for like in the montage. I think or toward the end when he's arriving. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. like, it would have been nice to get a little bit like almost like a last crusade bike chase. And the movie doesn't really have time for it. But, cool. you know, if you have to think and make it your own self, I would, it, a bike chase would be nice. Yeah. My, my answer is a little, little bit of a cheat because it's not about this movie. But it's that we never really got another. Because I remember when this movie came out, I was like, oh, why, how can they set a sequel in the, re- the nowadays? This is such a good setting. And the tone okay. of this is perfect. I want to see another movie of World War II with Cap. And I'm never going to get it. And sure enough, I never got it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and I don't think Marvel has ever done another movie that fits this tone where they do a period setting. And as I said, I think I mentioned this briefly earlier, Captain Marvel, uh, it's set in the 90s. It does not feel like a 90s movie at all to me. No. Uh, and like, I wish they'd done, like, I know people have always, like, I don't know if you've heard this. I've always seen the pitch phone around, like, set Fantastic Four in the 60s and direct it like a Richard Lester movie. I'm like, that's an interesting I've, idea. I don't think that would happen in our Marvel Studios. Yeah, I've heard uh, that pitch before. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I would like to see Marvel try to do something as... And I think, I think actually, even though they're not trying... The reason they're doing it, it... WandaVision, right? The first few episodes of WandaVision do a good job of that. Yeah. But it's not... It's, I don't, it's not being sincere about it. Like, you know, it, it's doing that for its mystery story. It's not because they want to capture this tone, really. You know? Sure. Uh I would like to see something that's more Marvel experimenting in tone like this one did. And, you know, Thor and Iron Man did it too at the time, but I think this is the most successful. And I'd like to see that again. Um, so the best surprise. Now, to be clear for you, Jay, this could be your best surprise back 10 years ago if you want to sure, do that. Okay. Or it can be like your best surprise in this viewing doesn't matter. But Tyler, you go first. Yeah, Stanley Tucci. Um, I forget he is in this film, and I'm surprised each time I watch it, and it's a pleasant surprise. I I feel bad because like Danny Danny said uh, something. No, he sent me a a uh, a gif of uh, of Stanley Tucci from this film, and I was like, oh yeah, he's in this film, and I had just watched the film uh, yesterday, and that's when he sent me the gif, and I was just kind of like, oh. Yeah, I I already watched it. I watched it the same day and I already forgot. Uh, I mean, he's he does do like. Yeah, he does. He I don't know. I don't think I really have any more to say. <laughs> I mean, it's Stanley Tucci. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, 
my surprise is one for this viewing, especially because I watched it in March and I didn't notice this, is that, wow, Hugo Weaving is in the movie for a ton about the prosthetics. I don't mind, though, because I actually think... I See, the thing is that people always forget about, like, they're like, why isn't he... No one actually had this, but, you know, like, with Lex Luthor in the old Superman movies, they're like, why isn't he bald the whole movie uh, type of thing? Or that even when uh, Jesse Eisenberg was playing, why isn't he bald sure. the whole movie? And here, like, I think Hugo Weaving's, like, the light makeup he has when he doesn't have the prosthetics is gross. Like, you know, because you see where, like, the line is on his neck where the mask would come off always and just yeah, yeah. a gross scar. I, I think that works enough for me, too, for this to look like a neat, uh, like, a cool villain look. So I don't mind it. It's just I'm always surprised. Like, wow, I always remember, you know, like, the Red Skull look. And that it doesn't come in as, as far into it as it does. That's a surprise to me when I rewatch it. So. Um, hard to imagine going back 10 years ago, but like, I think maybe my first surprise when I first saw it was the uh, end of the movie, just exactly how it ended, kind of cliffhangery. I think none of the other films at that point were at like cliff cliffhanger endings. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a straight setup. Like, I, at that moment, I realized like Avengers is probably going to be right after this. Mm-hmm. Like, so at that, before that, I didn't know like, is Avengers take place a couple years later? Is Cap going to be established? Like, so I feel like that's the moment where I was like, oh, okay, so this is the, the storyline is going to be like Cap's getting back into the real world. And then I guess more that go through it and what I picked up when I was younger, but now like the Indiana Jones influence, which was always present, but like seeing just how he, he frames it a lot, even through even the bike chase later on, those small shots, like the way they're framed and even the way they're dressed, it does feel very Last Crusade through the forest. And there's a lot of camera movement that he doesn't move the camera anywhere near as much as Spielberg. But when he does do camera movement, you can tell it's Spielberg-esque type of stuff that he's trying to accomplish. Yeah, a fight we never talked about, and this one we don't need to talk about because we've talked for so long, but, like, the train fight, uh, that's where it stood out to me this time, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, but I agree with you. All right, our last question is, what are you most excited to see more of? This doesn't have to be something that's been confirmed. doesn't have to be something that's, you know, just something from this movie you want to see more of from Marvel. Um, but Tyler? I, um, I'm excited to see more of Haley Atwell returning for Captain Carter in What If?, um, I really hope that like, like, like what you had said, Danny, with we get Captain Carter kind of as someone who's, you know, either leading this new team. I want more than just one. We've got 10 episodes of what if I want more than just one episode with Captain Carter, you know, um, just because I, I think that Atwell Atwell is going to be amazing in this. So, yeah, Um I, I would say, first off, so this is kind of what happened when we talked about, like, Thor and Avengers on this podcast, where it was like, you know, what are you most excited to see more of? Like, man, these movies were so long ago. Like, what sure. are we going to see more of from this? Um, and to me, the reason this movie is good is because it's its own thing. Like, nothing in this really came back uh, besides, of course, Captain America. Um, so I want to, I'll just say what I just said with my uh, disappointing aspect is I want to see period Marvel movies that try to capture the tone of that period. Uh, that it's taking place in. And yeah, I agree. I second that. Yeah. That's kind of what I was going to say is that because of the, the film, I mean, all the characters, you know, it's in the past and we can't really just say like, it's not like Falcons in this or other people we can comment on maybe their future. I mean, it's going to be nice to hopefully see more of Peggy Carter, maybe in what if, or see how big of a role they have, if they ever go back to her in the future. But I, I guess I do want to see another film like that, that feels contained to a certain period in time or, mm-hmm or even place, you know, that just feels kind of that singular. Um, I like that nostalgic classic movie tone, I guess. I'd like to see someone go back and do a little bit more of the 
classic maybe Indiana Jones type of feel. Yeah. Then more of the modern movie, I guess, irreverent type of tone. Or more of the like handheld style action too. It's something we didn't get to talk about, like Captain America one, it maybe doesn't have as the most intense action, like some of the action needs to be better. Maybe Winter Soldier has like better action set pieces. But a lot of the action right has become second unit, become like it's not born, but it's like it's inspired by that mid two thousands handheld and just like level that energy and everyone has a different variation of it. But Cap One is at a classic you know, and the, the, the action is very subtle. It's not like shaky cam. It's not pushing in or moving too fast. I'm interesting to see if Marvel goes back and has an action film that's not, you know, done in the same way that they've been doing them recently. I guess maybe Guardians 3 may have a chance because it's James Gunn, so. Yeah, I would say that is a chance. Um, I'm trying to think what else is on the lineup. I don't know. Maybe Thor, th- maybe Thor 4, but Thor. I guess Thor 4, you know, it's going to divulge into that probably. Yeah, and like... Taika, he didn't write the first one, so the fact that he's on this one from the ground up is what has always been really exciting to me. Same oh, he didn't write Ragnarok all the way? Okay. Yeah. No, yeah, he... I don't know if you remember when they initially announced Ragnarok, they had this, like, very serious title treatment, and as soon as Taika oh, came yeah. on, they replaced it with the now, like, the one that's on all the posters, but it was, like, very much the dark world, but even more of a dark title treatment Oh, yeah, like, Ragnarok. the world, this is the biggest event that's ever gonna happen in Asgard, and people are gonna die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that's so Love and Thunder is completely him from the ground up, which is exciting yeah. to me. Well, I'm excited so. to see that too. I like Jojo Rabbit quite a bit. That was yeah, really good. Was, you know me and Jojo well I I stood up, standing ovation was crying during my standing ovation. <laughs> it's a great movie that like not many people could pull off or have the balls to do. So like mad respect yeah. to Taika. Yeah. Love his work. All right. Well, that is us on Captain America, the first Avenger. Now, Jay, uh, do you want to talk, sign off yourself a bit before we do our sign off? Yeah, I guess thanks just for having me on. I love talking Marvel. Sorry if I talk too much. Sorry if this ran on for too long, but I enjoyed talking to you guys. It's one of those things. I've also been kept up in a pandemic. I don't get to talk just straight superheroes or Captain America to other nerds who like know as much about me, you know? I can blab to my girlfriend or my mom or friend. They don't know what I'm talking about or care about the pacing or comparing the films or anything like that. So it is just fun to talk about. So thank you. And again, everybody, if you are kind enough, if you want to check out Northwood Pie, please do so. It's on Amazon Prime um, with ads, I think, possibly depending on where you live. So it's either free without ads or free with ads. It's also available on Tubi and it should be available in whatever country you are. So love it or hate it. Please give it a watch. It's a little do-it-yourself feature. I think it's pretty well done. I think you'll like it. And it should be inspiring for you to go make your own stuff if that's what you want to do. So if you are a filmmaker or writing stuff, I think you should definitely check it out because I'm just one of you who went out and did it. So you might as well just do it just to learn for your own sake. Yeah. So. Y'all, y'all should check it out. It's really good. Uh, all right. So Tyler, send us out. All right. And thank you. Wait, wait, wait. Before. <laughs> and thank you, Jay, for being on our podcast. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, Tyler, you can go. Well, Danny, I'll have you know, I was just going to say bye and then stop the (laughs) recording. No, (laughs) here we go. Thanks for listening to this episode of Why Is with Ty and Dan. We can be found on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. We are also on YouTube audio exclusive at our channel, Why Is with Ty and Dan. You can also contact us by email at whyiswithtydan at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at whyiswithtyan1 because I'm number one. And you can follow me, Danny Vincent, on Letterboxd at blankments for reviews of movies, putting those not in the MCU. We'd also like to thank Zachary Wright for editing this episode. And once again, thank Jay for being on our episode. Woo-woo. Woo-woo. All right. Thank you, guys.
Yeah. Yeah. And we will see everyone here next. Uh, yeah, we loved having you. Uh, we will see everyone here next week where we're going to rewatch Venom, a very different Marvel movie. Yummy! <laughs> More Tom Hardy talk, though, right? So, <laughs> all right. Bye, everyone. All right. We'll catch you in the next one.